Hello, girls, boys, and everyone in between. I'm Scarlett. I'm Roxy. And I'm Marjorie. And we are the Red Resistance Podcast. So today, we are going to be drinking Andrew Will, uh, their Two Blondes Vineyard. It's Vintage 2010. And I picked this because, literally just because of the name, Hmm. Two Blondes. Uh, because this episode Perfect. has such a heavy focus on the relationship and the dynamic between June and Serena. So oh, when I was going, th- when I was so perfect. Yeah. So when I was going through like, my wine cabinet, two blondes here. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, where's, right where's the second head. blonde? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so when I was going through my wine, uh, my wine cabinet, I was like, that this relationship was so heavy mm. on their dynamic. So, so I that. plucked that right, uh, right on out. So um, <laughs> Andrew Will is from the Yakima Valley, which is a small subregion of the Columbia Valley in uh, Washington State. It's actually the first. Um, it's um, the first AVA, which is the first uh, viticultural area. In Washington, um, it was founded in 1984, which is very, very young for a wine, um, for a wine growing region. Just like Gilead is very, very young for a world power. 84 is young for a human being. Also young for a human being. For the record. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So Andrew Will, was, uh, the winery was established in 1989. Uh, this is a Bordeaux style blend, so it's primarily Merlot. Uh, which a lot of people turn their nose up at Merlot, but Merlot is what a lot of you cab drinkers actually like, and you just don't realize it because oh. um, it's juicy and it's supple and it has like that bold tannin and it has that nice acidity to it. Mm. Cabernet sometimes can get to be a bit too herbaceous and way too intense with the tannin, whereas Merlot offers that tannin in that body, but a bit more round and supple. Um, so yes, yeah, so this is primarily Merlot, 43%. Um, it does have... Um, Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc as well, which you guys might not be super familiar with. Cab Franc is used in heavily in blending, especially in Bordeaux. Uh, A lot of rosés are made with Cab Franc as well. And quite a few um, California wines are cut with Cab Franc as well because it offers a bit more backbone and structure and um, gives a bit more of this florality to uh, to the wine. And then 2% Malbec, just a little bit of Malbec to give it a bit of spice. Um, This is a 2010, so... This is drinking pretty well, all things considered, for a nine-year-old wine. Uh, it's aged in oak for 21 months, and since it is nine years old, it's not drinking like a super bright, fun, punchy, refreshing wine. It has this fantastic, like, beefiness to it. So when you smell it, it smells beefy. You get these, like, balsamic notes, but you also get this underscoring of fresh blackberries, and that's echoed on the palate with a little bit of uh, black pepper, which is coming through because of the Malbec, um, as well as a little bit of fresh tobacco leaf. Um, dusty and intense tannins, but nothing overbearing. A little bit of acidity to kind of cleanse your palate at the end of it. Overall, this wine is as luscious as uh, as George's sweet, sweet booty. <laughs> this is the Chris Maloney of wines. What we're saying. <laughs> so... Andrew Will, 2010, Bordeaux-style blend from Yakima Valley. Cheers, ladies. Cheers. Cheers. Starting work. And we're off like a herd of dusty turtles. <laughs> oh, my God. The most ridiculous Six. thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I love it. But it was perfect. The household. Before we start, uh, the director of this episode, her name is Dervla Walsh, and she is the, is her first time directing an episode of Handmaid's Tale. Um, she is not by any means the first time directing, but she does have a really impressive resume, but, but I really just wanted to give her a little nod in the beginning because 
I mean, this was iconic Handmaid's Tale scene. Like, cinematography was out of this world in this episode. Mm-hmm. It was oh, unreal wow. yeah. about it. to bring this female director in and then use all of her episode as the promo for the season. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was super impressed with her and wanted to look up who she was. And it's Dervla Walsh in Ireland. Nice. Yeah, the iconography and cinematography in this episode was was staggering. Oh, so, good job, love DC. Loved I mean, it. I can I will never go to DC again the same way. And I will never be able to stand in front of that Lincoln Memorial. Wow. Ever again. I just oh, got I have to so go many feelings about all of that. Oh, all right, so many feelings. It. Let's get into it. Yeah. So, it starts off with the Martha's praying as June is walking through and she's talking about how she has prayers, too, and that they're basically that Serena and Fred will get hit by a bus. Yep. <laughs> She'd be down <laughs> with either. That's where we're at at this point. And I will say, after the last episode, <laughs> my Serena hope has fizzled. Yeah. Yeah, she pretty much snuffed that out. Yeah, yeah, she did. She did a real good job of saying goodbye to any hope that Serena could be redeemed in any way. But... We'll we'll definitely see. What I liked about uh, that scene in particular was the cinematography. Again, mm. um, I loved that all of the imagery was uh, the colors were super muted, so it came across as black and white, except for all of the bright red handmaid's colors. And that was a theme that moved throughout the entire episode. Uh-huh. Oh God, I loved it. I did too, and I thought that it was so brilliant because everything in Gilead is so black and white, and in the small little area that we've seen of Gilead. There's still colors and there's still variants, but as soon as you get to DC, that's it. It's black, it's white, the handmaids are red. It is stark beyond all good reason. It's stark, that's a good yeah. word for it. That's I really exactly just, what the capital is. Oof, I fucking loved mm-hmm. that. And I also appreciated the fact that in uh, in June's um, opening monologue, she was talking about how if they're praying, then that means that Nicole is still safe, that she's still out of reach, even if it's just barely. Right. So June's still toying with that little bit of hope, and that was... I think that was one of the harder parts of this episode was watching that little tiny shred of hope that she had just get ripped away from her. That that was brutal. I could feel that for myself the entire time. Like, by the end, I know I had texted Scarlett afterwards and was like, I'm defeated. I'm just That's broken. Exactly That's exactly how I felt. It, it was mm-hmm. this episode. But by was the end, <laughs> that was it. it. It's just all I felt was defeat. Mm-hmm. But... On the rewatch, I didn't feel as much defeat. First mm. watching, I definitely did. On the rewatch, there's some hope hanging on there. June definitely has it in the beginning. And uh, like we were saying, when she's saying that she has a little bit of hope that they're not praying, I thought that was such a weird comment because my first thought was just that I feel like Lawrence would let her know. Like, why? Yeah. She's not in the dark. Like, I'm yeah. just like, wait, doesn't he she's have She's going to get first-hand knowledge. But, yeah, I would imagine so. Well, she does. So we jump right into that next. Um, when she's back at Lawrence's house making herself useful, which I like that. <laughs> and um, he basically just gives her the rundown of this is what's happening. The house, it'll look better if the household is all together. Yes. So we get the name of the title of the episode. I just thought that was... It was kind of an interesting scene with Lawrence. It was real quick. He seems a little bit like he didn't know how to respond to her. Like, she threw him off his game a little. I, Did you feel that? I yeah. felt like he looked like he felt bad. Yeah. Like, when she... What, what was it? How did he... How did he... Refer to Nicole. Oh, he oh, said he called her Fred's daughter. Yeah, Fred's daughter. And she turned around and she was like, you know, don't don't call her that. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. just don't do it. And I think he genuinely looked taken aback. And he I did, think he right? felt like, oh, like, I fucked oh. up. And that's the first, I I think, you know, aside from those moments with his wife, I think it was that first glimmer of 
he's got feelings. He right. might want to deny that he right. doesn't have feelings like a real person, but he's got them in there. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm just surprised that was the moment that caught him off guard. I, I know. The only thing I could think of, if it's not feelings that he has, the only way I could read that, because that is definitely how I saw it initially. Um, but then I was thinking maybe he has some kind of social cue disorder, like some kind of aspect something, or something where he just, like, it almost looked like he hadn't even realized what he had said till he said it. And then he was like, kind of like kicking himself like, oh, shoot, I that's going to be sensitive to her but he can't really comprehend that it wouldn't be sensitive to her but he knows enough he's smart enough to put these things together and he was just like whoops didn't yeah. read that situation correctly and that makes sense because i mean the man who effectively wrote the book on gilead is going to see the world in black and white yeah, yeah. so to have that little splash of color and that little nuance was undoubtedly took him aback I liked that we got that little shred of humanity from him. I like that we got that little glimmer yeah. of understanding and human empathy, which is something that he's been lacking because he is so <laughs> logic-based. Right. Yeah, um, he's not emotion-based no, at and, all. And we got that little tiny sliver of it um, from last episode when he and Eleanor were in their parlor listening to the tapes. So I don't want to say that maybe we're going to start to see the humanization of Commander Lawrence, mm. but it's nice knowing that he does have those little glimmers of it under the surface. Right. You know, this makes me think of something. It's uh, kind of related, but but not really related to this particular scene. Larry and the wife, uh, they don't have a child. How many handmaids have they been through? I'm just curious. Right. And at what point do the other higher-ups catch on to the fact that maybe there's something going on in this house? How come, you know, he's had this slew of handmaids and they haven't produced a child yet? Now, if it can't be that they just had a continuous bad batch of handmaids, right. mm-hmm. you know, but and then they don't believe that men can be sterile. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. is that going to be the giveaway that there's something happening in that house, I wonder? I was thinking about that as well, because it's highly suspect that Lawrence has not had any children. And presuming that in Gilead, men can't be or men just can't be sterile. because mm. God forbid. Um, I was thinking before we had that huge reveal about Nick and like he was reintroduced, I was like, oh, maybe June's going to end up getting pregnant with another Nick baby. Like it just sort of was a blip on my radar screen. And then that would be a cover for 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 Lawrence. Exactly. Um, That idea got squashed within 10 minutes of me having it, but it was a nice thought while it was there. I'm not sure. I I guess what I was thinking is just that there's so many sterile men that there's got to be so many commanders that aren't, doesn't matter how many handmaids come through. The problem is going to be them, and it's almost better for them not to address the fact that June's not pregnant because mm-hmm. we know June can have a baby, yeah. and it would have to point to... So maybe internally they're looking behind it, mm-hmm. looking into it, especially now that we've seen the high commanders, which, mm-hmm. I don't know. Talk to me about this because I I feel kind of silly for saying this now, but it just never even occurred to me that there was higher commanders. <laughs> like, I didn't know either. I like, thought well, that makes sense Waterford and his buddies were they kind of were like... The, Top, right? Yes. Yeah. They were the be all and end all. This to know that there's people above them, and then to know that Waterford and Serena, the Waterfords, the evil Waterfords, <laughs> they really were integral in orchestrating this. To know that they didn't end up with a position of power, right. even higher up in the echelons, I had I'm just mind blown over this. Or even yeah. even Lawrence. 
Yeah. Because he seems to be with what are they doing on the Apple commanders. So if he was so integral yeah. in bringing this in, why isn't he in, yeah. in the capital? I mean, I could see Lawrence being like, you know what? I'm good. I, I, I'm going to go stay up in Maine <laughs> for all this noise. If you want me, you come to me. Wait, no, he's not in Maine. Are we saying they're all in Maine? They're in Boston. I thought, yeah, well, I don't know. Where are they're in Boston. Boston. Are they definitely in Boston? They're definitely yeah, in Boston. Okay, they are. No, you know what? I was thinking Maine because of like the talk about the, 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 the tapes the last episode. Yeah. yeah. And the, we think that uh, yeah. Serena's family is up here. They were integral in, uh, in f- the foundation of Gilead up in Boston. And maybe the founders mm. that are the higher ups that are in what used to be Washington, D.C., were instrumental in the creation of Gilead in D.C. And okay. because that was the ac- uh, the, uh, the central point of power for the U.S., yeah. it would make sense. Like, these guys are in power now. So be it. And my only guess, too, would be we've gotten a couple mentions now. I'm sure we're going to get more information on the crusade. And we've seen that they're a highly militarized like that is their strength is mm-hmm. their military they even made a reference to yeah, that, yeah. that they, right. they, like they flat out said it the swiss said it like they're they're too strong militarily we can't mm-hmm. just take out gilead we have right. to do it from within mm-hmm. which is exactly what we're here to do mm-hmm. with the commanders i feel like if they're such a high strength i mean they're called commanders it's mm-hmm. such a military term to yeah. begin with mm-hmm. maybe the waterfords and lawrence were conceptualizing the idea of Gilead and the high commanders are more of the military ex-military the top that got like the crusade yeah. heroes yeah. is the only way I could guess that that's why they're in the capital running things I mean sense. we haven't seen a whole lot from uh, George, Commander George Winslow, Winslow. Winslow. Um, we haven't seen a whole lot from Winslow but he doesn't seem all too Gilead-ish you know he seems maybe like he was just a crusade hero and here he is living out his best life. Well, I don't know. Well, we we into with Winslow, but we'll see. I mean, there's a. I guess at the end of the day, we're as clueless as the Swiss were. Of mm-hmm. we need to know who we don't know that they're a black box. That's what he said. That they yeah. haven't seen anything. They they don't know how the power structure works, and mm-hmm. apparently neither do we. And that was yeah. a slap in the face to me. Yeah. And it was such a gut punch of like. It's oh, a lot bigger it's than we so thought it was. So much bigger. Yeah. Remember when we were joking about why that? Why did they send the chemist away? No, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> now I get why they sent the chemist away. <laughs> the Waterfords aren't really the ones that need to be bombed the most. Yeah. Right. So you have this interaction between Lawrence and June, and Lawrence tells her to pack her bags. June has that like half little smile on her face because she sees an opportunity because mm-hmm. she knows that Serena's going to be there. And then we're on the train. Yeah, that fucking train with those fucking red curtains. I can't stand these vehicles that they put the handmaids in. Every time when it's those red curtains in the vehicle, it just makes me think womb. Yeah, Yeah. 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 I think that's pretty much what they're going for. it drives me nuts. I'm like, wow, even on the train, the handmaids sit in their own little train car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just being all immersed in womb stuff. (laughs) Snoring Aunt Lydia, which (laughs) I feel like as much as I, in that moment, I was like, oh my God, she really is going to start snoring on this train ride. And (laughs) June kind of looks over, rolls her eyes. I think that might be the last normal moment we get in a while before, Mm -hmm. because that was the point where I was like, oh, first world problems, you know, like freedom problems where this lady's snoring next to you. Mm -hmm. And the carpet just got pulled out from under me after that. I was mm-hmm. not prepared for the Capitol. Uh, oh, my God. That the, the monument. Like, that blew my mind as, you know, she opens the curtain and then she can the see Washington it. Monument. The Washington Monument. I'm sorry, Washington yeah, Monument. Washington, 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 Washington,
oh, that blew my mind. I was like, oh, my God. And that has to be the first time she knew that was even a thing. Because yeah. how would she know right. Right. that that's what they did that with her it. face? Yeah. Like, she was genuinely afraid. Yeah. yeah. And just horrified of, mm-hmm. wow, this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Oh, just another reminder of <laughs> we've been in a little bubble in somewhere in Boston. Mm-hmm. Oh. And as privileged of a life as she led with the Waterfords, Mm -hmm. everyone in Boston has led a privileged life, comparatively speaking, to the atrocities that are happening elsewhere. Yes. It was jarring. And then we they go, they're walking through, and this was, oh, this might have been the last little moment, the last laugh I think I had was when they're going up the escalator and Lydia goes, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. (laughs) What? Is that what they used to say? I love that moment. I did too. In the midst of such horror and such doom and gloom, when I rewatched it, I was like, this scene is terrifying Uh because I know what's coming up. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I loved that the first time. Second time, I was like, oh gosh. Did you notice on the escalators, it was like men's and women's escalators? Yes. I was like, oh my God, we can't even ride the same fucking escalator <laughs> yeah, now? Of course not. It's got to be ridiculous. I'm like, oh, wow, they're really separating. Well, yep. I mean, God forbid that a man is behind a woman and sees the woman's ankles. <gasps> oh, my God, we have ankles? Oh, oh God. God. Oh, I'm getting the vapors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, and then Aunt Lydia tells her, go to your spot. And she kind of looks at her like, what my am I spot? talking about? And I was like, what is she talking about? And I'm still trying to watch it. And it wasn't until the second watch that I was like, their spot is a literal spot yeah. that they're spent. They're told to kneel at. That's mm-hmm. like their little kneeling post until they are retrieved. Yeah, they're they're oh my God. specifically instructed to heal like a dog. Yeah, did you see that Martha's face when she was like, blessed day? And she was like, bitch, who are you talking to? That was, oh, that was jarring. And it's, again, you don't pick up on it at first because it seems fine that they're talking and then second watch I was like that Martha's look on her face when she hears someone talk to her and she turns around and sees it's a handmaid and she's like mm, you can kneel now yeah um, I also appreciated the fact that once uh, June realized that she was supposed to do to the literal spot she looked genuinely afraid yeah. and confused she's right. like wait no this is not how this this yeah. is not what I'm comfortable with at all and right. like what do I do and it, exactly it just, yeah that was the first feeling of like this that there was so much trepidation in that moment when even when Lydia told her, like, you're going to go now. And I'm like, no, don't leave her. Don't right. leave her alone. Like, that's how I felt in that moment. Mm-hmm. They would, like you said, it's very stark. There's not a lot of colors. You get that pop of red from the handmaids, and mm-hmm. that's it. And then you have just machine guns. Like, it's just military machine guns, yeah. uniforms across the board. It's, mm-hmm. oof, I don't like the Capitol. No. And no. the Capitol. She called it the Capitol, and that was Hunger Games in my face. I cannot stop yeah. hearing that every time I hear the Capitol now. I'm like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> With their A-boxes. And then the Waterfords kind of stroll up and retrieve her. Retrieve that her. one's ours. Yeah, that that's one what he says is to her. ours. Which, first off, no, she's not. She's not, not anymore. Fucking yours. You are... She's not anybody's, right. but she's definitely, but she's not, definitely yours not yours. No. She's of Joseph. Exactly. So, uh, the hubris on that on that one is oh. just astounding. The Rita reunion? Mm-hmm. Did that rub you the wrong way at all? Because so much. Fuck you, Rita. Yeah. What the hell happened? It, she cannot be that close to Serena right now. I don't know. Like, she's she's basically Serena's bitch at this point. That's really what her only purpose is to be no, with Rita Serena. Rita used to have such a backbone. Mm-hmm. Come on. Rita I, was I, like... She was running that kitchen with some I, serious shade. I mean, I agree, but I don't know. I think this whole, like, baby thing, like, really got to her. She's just been sitting there holding Serena's hand while she's fucking miserable about this mm-hmm. baby. And I think maybe it just wore on her. 
Yeah, yeah, it clearly that was, did. But yeah. what the hell? That was I, know, I, I wasn't expecting that. Either. I wasn't. Even, oh, I no. didn't like the, the the tone of the shift tone that that took at that point. I mean, it was pretty much downhill from there. And mm-hmm. it could also be that um, in the capital, the Marthas are absolutely higher on the food chain than the handmaids. I mean, everyone's higher on the food chain than the handmaids. But Rita might have felt a slight bit of empowerment being in the capital, knowing that she could stand up against what June was saying and stand for. Serena, because she was in this position where she's definitely respected more being a Martha. The handmaids are not treated like humans at all, whereas the Marthas are allowed to walk around. They're at allowed least they to speak. They don't have to be silent. That was a rough, a rough watch, though. That little tiny fucking snippet was terrible. And then they pull up to the Winslow's house, and it's again mirroring that black and white imagery. And the only part that's that looks like its color is the police lights that are flashing on the Winslow's house. And the conversation at the door, and Fred is just beaming. And Serena says, we should have stayed in a hotel. And Fred says, this is an opportunity. And Serena's face just shifts ever so slightly. And she looks at him and says, for whom? (laughs) And he said, well, for us. For us, of course. And that manipulation of her face doesn't change. But then as soon as the door opens, she kicks right back into her old Gilead self. Yeah. And yep. I thought... But she was still on the fence at that point. She was still a little bit like, fuck you, Fred. True. A bit. With that for whom? I was like, I yeah. thought so. I'm like, oh, there's still... There's still she's in That's there. That's what I got she's from in it, there. too. This is what happened. When he said that, he was just like, ooh, hold on, let me say the right thing. Yeah. But then did you realize what the right thing was? I think the right thing for her might have been Nicole. That was the third thing he said. He yeah. said, for us, for all of us, for Nicole and the door opens. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, literally the last thing he says is, oh, right, 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 Nicole. Third time's the charm. And then you have this awkward interaction and then they go in and you get this focus on the two caged birds. Yes. I mean, what's this director's name again? Because she's a... Deborah. Deborah Walsh. Well done, Ms. Walsh. Well done. Because that was just absolutely (laughs) perfect. You have these two caged birds, these little pops of yellow color in an otherwise stark and bland house. And then you just have Serena standing right behind them, staring at them, and her face looks so sallowed, and she looks defeated. But she, I thought she looked scared. Like, I thought she was as scared as the Capitol as anyone else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'll agree with that. And I really thought at this point she was, there was still a resistance Serena in there. Even no. even that shot there, I'm like, oh, she's she knows she's that trap bird. She knows she is. Mm-hmm. No, she don't care. No, she absolutely knows she's that trap bird. And you also had an echo of that imagery later on. When um, she was unpacking in her room, and the picture that was above the bed was a buck and a doe. Oh, I didn't see and that. the buck. Oh, yeah. So above Serena's bed was this white on white plaster picture, and there's a buck standing tall, and then a doe laying down on the ground underneath the buck. Oh, that's and, it right now. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yes, because you need the artwork. <laughs> you need the big strong buck to defend our sweet little does. Absolutely. So. Now, I think I lost all hope for Serena in the last episode, but it really drove it home this episode when Nita Winslow. Mm-hmm. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Hi, Christopher Maloney. Hi, Chris. Actually, in my Seymour. notes, I have Chris Maloney, question mark, GTFO. Because like, <laughs> I just did not see this coming. I also no, have... I didn't either. I have Winslow as Christopher Maloney? Yeah. The fuck? Yes. <laughs> Detective Stabler. What is happening? Oh, my God. Elliot, you're here. You're great. <laughs> oh, my God. So, that 
then we've got you know, like a bajillion kids that like all of a sudden like come in and just there's the whole you know, gaggle fucking, of children. The whole gaggle of children. Babies everywhere. Babies. <laughs> On, on top of babies, just piles of children. That was and that is where we lost Serena. That's, that's it. it. That's yes, she was, that's she was finally you. sold. There was not she, a doubt in my mind because she wants that life. Yep. What's better than one kid than a fucking bunch of kids? Yeah. She wants that, that baby life. in her hands, and yeah. she was in the middle. And you oh, see that that's shot. it. She was oh, done. Oh, June's walking she away. was. Yeah, June knew done. she was done too. That, that, that music was so ghoulish, mm-hmm. and also was slightly reminiscent of our theme song. Oh, mm. interesting. Oh, yeah. I yeah, had, listen to that. Yeah, it had that, like, background tension to it and that, like, sort of, uh, like, oh. thing going on. Yeah, as I was listening to it, I was like, that sounds vaguely familiar. So, yeah, just a nice little uh, tidbit there. <laughs> but, like, how many kids do these psychopaths have? Like, you can actually see Serena recoil when uh, when the kids come in. Like, her face when... um whatever Winslow's... Or whatever Mrs. Winslow's first name is, when she goes to hug Serena, and Serena's just like... She actually pulls away slightly. I thought that was a very strange move for her because mm. she's in these people's homes. She's trying to make a good impression, and she was just repulsed with how repugnant it was that they had 7,000 kids running around. Oh, I didn't think she was repulsed by it. I until they handed her overwhelmed. The, until they handed her the baby. But, like, yes. she actively pulled away from her. Like, her shoulders and she... just more like... Wow. She, I think she was just I did never even. I was thinking about one baby. I could have ten babies. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was her just seeing the possibility. I don't know. Cool, because then she also melts. Are they all yours? She did say that, yeah. And in I just June's face <laughs> when the, the wife responds, of course they are. And who like, else would they be? Bitch. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. Well, so yeah, that one there was black, so I'm going to go probably not yours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> two of them were. Was there two of them? Yeah, there were two of them. So like which... A little Polly that came in. I'm like, oh, that is a mm-hmm. child from a previous or a current handmaid. Mm. Well, we've already established that we were presuming that Gilead is four years old, roughly. So we were presuming for somewhere else I read five, which definitely wasn't actual but more of a guess of five so somewhere within that range i don't think it could be more than five years i mean we know hannah's timeline mm-hmm. and hannah was what five-ish she was yeah. in school yeah. so old enough they're to be in school they're up in new england though who the fuck knows what was going on in dc while they were planning their escape right. there okay. could have been a the little, little extra padding there mm. okay because as soon as I saw Polly, I was like, she looks like she's like eight or nine. Yeah. Mm. Like, this is, it was like, this looks like a pre Gilead baby to me. So, yeah, I was definitely thinking pre Gilead for her. I don't know. That whole situation was quite dilapidated. But then you have this like weird, eerie music, mm-hmm. and it's just super haunting. And then you have the grandfather clock with that weird reverb noise as well. Like, the audio clues in here were just like making you. It reminded me of watching a horror film with all of the visual and audio clues that were happening and this feeling of impending doom. And then you go to the bedroom and you have this moment where Serena's unpacking and you have the buck and the dough above the bed and then Fred walks through the door and he is just a propaganda monster. Yeah, he is. He is just a repugnant human being. It's like... This I know about. So fucking yes. smug. Yes, like, he's not even remotely about. concerned at this point. Never brings up Nicole during this conversation. Never, Never asks Serena, how are yeah. you doing? What's going on with you? I know this has all been rough, but, like, oh, I know about this. This is going to be huge for us. Was this the same scene where they're talking in the bedroom, but he's leaning up against, like, the dresser, and yes. you could see the yes. mirror next to him? Yes. Yes. That the was really, it was so well done. Oh, but I was just like, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to 
take away from it. Okay. It, it, it almost distracted me from what he was saying. It did too. I had to go back so and listen to me. what he was saying because okay. I was like, wow, this is a really cool shot. Yeah. What does this mean? Okay, so that's what made me look up the director because yeah. I love that shot and it really distracted me. Yeah. Which I guess maybe isn't probably the best thing to do when you're directing a TV show, <laughs> but I love that shot. And the way I looked at it when I watched it back and listened to what he said and then watched it again was... The way the shot is set up, you see Fred in real Mm -hmm. life, and you see only Serena's reflection. Mm -hmm. And the way I took it was just that she doesn't have... Her power is only within his reflection. So he's Mm -hmm. walking in and talking about how Mm -hmm. he has... He Trust me, I've got this figured out. I know what I'm doing. He's got all that self-assurance of, I'm going to get us places. Mm -hmm. I'm going to move the point that I really thought Serena was going to move. But it looks like it's Fred that's putting himself back into position within Gilead and he's telling her like I got this under control I know how to do this but you just see her reflection in the mirror and that's all she is she's just going to be a reflection of him regardless if he Mm -hmm. succeeds then she goes with him if he fails she goes with him her it's exactly what her mother told her her life is only with him there's nothing else Mm -hmm. she has other than to be Mrs. Waterford and that's what that scene showed me just Mm -hmm. that reflection of power the phrase through the looking glass keeps popping into my head oh this does all feel a little bit bizarre and like a uh, dilapidated wonderland, <laughs> it doesn't it? Does feel like it is a, that house is a dilapidated wonderland. Yeah. It really is. Absolutely. Well, and for Serena, starting to look more and more like a real wonderland. Um, and then playing more to Marjorie's point, uh, when Fred puts down the ring and says, here, just so everything looks right. Yeah. And then that's when they cut back to Serena in real life, as opposed to the reflection. Yeah. yeah it was mm-hmm. uh, It was perfect timing because it showed that she had to take an active action to right. be a, to a be, part of his reflection. Right. And even then, she's just going to be standing next to him. She doesn't have any actual power, but she doesn't care because she'll have a baby. Yeah. And she opens up that picture with the footprints. Yeah. And then you immediately cut to June making the footprints yeah. in the window. And that was a really nice transition. And... I also appreciate the fact that because Serena got to hold the actual footprints, mm. she had something tangible. June has to make something yeah, for she herself. She's just grasping at straws. She's a footprint for... with her palm. Yeah, yeah, just grasping at straws. And God, what a desperate place that must be. At the same time, it felt like a very wholesome moment. It did. Which <laughs> contrasts <laughs> severely with what happens ten seconds later. Yeah, when we meet of George. Oh, of George, oh, man. That's right before that scene. Okay, that's what that oh, leads God. into. Oh, God. That, let's just, I just no. need a moment with that. that yeah, because that wrecked me. Did you see it coming? No. no. Oh, my Not God. Not at all. I saw it was straight it. out of a horror movie. That's it the was, thing. Yeah. No, because the way, I guess maybe at that point I was just so in tune to where they were filming what shots. Mm-hmm. And the way they kept moving away so you couldn't see. And now she's unbuckling it. But then they go back to June. Yeah. And then June turns her back on uh-huh. her. And I'm like, oh, my God. She's not even going to see when she turns around. She's not responding. She can't talk. There's something under there that's horrific. Yeah. I figured, and, like, maybe her tongue had been cut out. Yeah, or maybe, like, right. she had, like, some jarring jaw yeah, injury. So I thought it was going to be something. Somehow this something. is almost. It's worse. It's it actually worse. worse but yeah. That look on her face was the most haunting thing. I was just appalled Uh at that shot. Mm -hmm. It was, it turned my stomach. Oh my God. I I got feelings about it. It made me think, okay, so did they do that to all of the handmaids or just the naughty ones? Right. How the fuck do they eat? Right. That's what I was wondering. I'm like, wait, I thought they were supposed to be these lovely vessels to produce these lovely Gilead children. Shouldn't they be eating? Yep. Mm -hmm. Worse yet. Please tell me they take that shit out when they're giving birth. 
Oh. Oh. Oh, I didn't even think about that. You're welcome. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, I, I, that's gruesome. Yep. If there's ever a time where you need to vocalize, whether it's to be scream or cry or to tell whoever your partner is to fuck off, you need your mouth open. Yeah, yeah. You, you need, need it for breathing. Yeah, you need it, it for it's, breathing. I know. I even what? just what if you have a, a stuffy nose? Like I'm like this is right. a vomiting is a thing that happens oh during childbirth. Oh my god. Oh, vomiting is a thing that happens in normal well, life. In normal life, life. even life. when you're not giving birth, <laughs> you're you're puking at some point. But ooh, ooh, man. Yeah. Yeah, just it rocked my world on like so many levels. Yeah, I think it rocked June's too. Mm-hmm. And what is well, it's a perfect visualization too for the fact that these people want women to do as they're told, know their place. They are second class citizens if they're even considered mm-hmm. human beings, and that is that they have the silent. Yes, blessed are the silent. When they can hear the voice of God. Oh. Is that an actual thing? Yes. That's, 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 that's a real a, phrase. That's from the show. That's it what, is? Yeah, that's Which, what, what, that that when when they were kneeling on their spot. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> they were kneeling at the spot, and June looks up and sees the face masks for the first time. Oh. And the Martha says, blessed are the silent. For they can hear, well, I don't know if it's for they can hear the voice of God or for they can hear the whispers of God when yeah, no one else can. The... Something of that effect. But it was just like, Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's just jarring. Oh, man. It was, it was awful. Um, Blessed are the silent, for only they can hear the voice of the Lord. Why which, is it so fucking important for the handmaids well, to hear the voice of the Lord? Well, that's what I was just going to say. Like, out of Lord. all of it, that's why I think it has to be more of a, I think she more might have been using that phrase mm. to tell June to shut the fuck up yeah. and kneel down. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe it is more of a punishment than across the board. Yeah. I don't know, because otherwise, why wouldn't they just clamp June shut while she's there and call it a day? I just don't understand why June wouldn't, like, June was given the face mask, but not the rings, and I just don't know why. If it was so standard for handmaids, I feel like they would have done it for her. I don't know why they wouldn't. But to that same effect, what are the odds that the one handmaid that Aunt Lydia would choose to pull down the uh, the face mask for would happen to have the no, rings? No, but it didn't, she mm. didn't pull it down. It was already Oh, that's down, right, And yeah. that's what I was thinking. Maybe it does slip down on their and faces. Aunt just Lydia's, logistically, like, that right. was the issue there. That's, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. It was slipping down. So. But then Aunt Lydia's, like, face, when she, like, realizes, like, oh, is that what you have going on under there? I don't think she was down with it. I don't no. think she at was down she with it. At, at I first, couldn't tell at first. It at was first hard I'm, to tell. I yeah. thought she was like, oh, well, that's just well, delightful. Interesting. It, wasn't, it, wasn't, right. uh, it wasn't quite that. I no, think she was like, that's I, yeah. interesting. But then I think she walked away and was like, what oh, yeah. 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 I actually oh. wrote that she looked a little tiny bit horrified for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Just a it quick was, flash. Yeah, I couldn't quite figure out what she quick. was feeling. Yeah. Was there was a yeah. lot happening yeah. there, and I don't right. think any of it was, oh, that's a great fucking idea. Yeah. Right. But she did start to see maybe her own hand in the dehumanization of these women. She started to see something, but I don't know what she saw. I, I'm... Oh, I just meant in that, like, exact moment. Like, it was one of those, like, okay. oh. Like, oh, this is what we're doing? These are the repercussions yeah. of... The actions that, like, because, I mean, we've seen her cattle prod people. We've seen her beat people. Like, this is just taking that to a complete another level. And I think that she kind of had that moment where she's like, oh, these are the repercussions of actions here. Right. On Lydia's tricky for me. I really don't Mm -hmm. fully get her intentions. But my gut tells me that she, from what we've seen of her, it's almost like she's been able to subscribe to a lot of what she does to Mm -hmm. all of what she does 
whatever her beliefs are within this Gilead system, she thinks she's genuinely doing a good thing. But I think that she really wants out of these handmaids, out of her handmaids, she wants obedience, not forced obedience. She wants them to want to do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. She wants them to feel that they are as important as she feels they are. And I think that sometimes where she gets slighted is when Fred later there's a scene where he's asking why there isn't more handmaids. And she says, well, they do have duties too. And he kind of scoffs at that, like what, what's more important than a duty to your country. But for her, she's like, she knows that the handmaids do have a purpose and she's fully subscribed to their role, but I don't think she's fully subscribed to like forcing them into being silent. I think she would want them to be able to respond with their platitudes and their yes, Aunt Lydia, and I'm sorry, Aunt Lydia. Like that's what she likes. She likes right. feedback. She doesn't want silent. She likes handmaids. obedient children. Right. And she, I think she views them as children. Yes, so 100%. I absolutely yes. yep. in this case, maybe seeing her children treated right. I think it would probably be considered harsh even for her. I mm-hmm. think that's where okay. she's like I don't think that's that's for me. Okay. This is where the woman that wields the cattle prod draws the line. Which is is weird. Yeah. When you freak out Aunt Lydia, I'm concerned. (laughs) I'm concerned. Aunt Lydia's worried. Oh, shit. I feel like that should be the subtitle for this episode. I'm concerned. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and then you have this interaction where... um, where Serena's back in, you're back in the playroom of the Winslows and Serena's sitting there and just looking around at all the babies running around. And she's so happy. And June comes in, sits down next to her and says, can we talk? Right. And uh, seeing her change do, it didn't change this place. Yeah. Our girl deserves better. I thought that was the best line. I loved it. The, you know what that that like the, our girls what she just better. said our yeah. girl deserves better our, our girl deserves better but then the Seeing nothing you. around you has changed it's you that yeah. have changed i had a lot of difficulty with this scene because you can tell that serena is having this internal struggle mm-hmm. and she wants what's best for nicole but she wants to be selfish more than anything yeah. in the world because this is all that she's wanted all that she's fought for the whole reason Gilead was created in the first place, mm-hmm. and to have someone hold the mirror up to her face, that was rough to watch Serena go through that. As much as I find her to be, for the most part, an unsympathetic character, oh, especially after so this episode. funny, because that was the exact scene that I was like, fuck Serena, I'm over it. I'm off the Serena board. Oh. I can't I can't do it. No, I, I agree. I can't do it yeah. either. But like this was one of those, like, I almost felt like I could understand in that moment sort of where she was coming from, like that mother's selfishness of just want. And, and again, we've been through this. Serena is not the biological mother. She... Hmm. Barely has, she only has a right to her because of the dilapidated system that's in Gilead. But that he, she allowed that human emotion to come out for a moment. But that's actually what I think it just occurred to me. I don't know a whole lot of Bible stories, but I know a couple. Mm-hmm. And it just reminded me as you're saying that, because in that moment, what really sealed the deal for me with Serena and just being like, okay, she's off this resistance boat. She doesn't want any part of this. Mm -hmm. She's gone. Oh, yeah. 100%. The reason for that was because up until this point, she had acted out of Nicole's best interest. Mm -hmm. And for her to be bringing her back in, I I mean, I hear what you're saying of it's just an intense, like, mother's love. Oh, but a mother's sacrifice is what should be in that place. I'm sorry. Maybe I wasn't clear with what I was (laughs) saying. Like, she was being purely... So she's struggling with this wanting to do what's best for Nicole, but also her own selfishness. Right. And that's where she loses me as Mm -hmm. the mother. Because as the mother, 
you would want what's best for that kid, mm-hmm. even if it's not what's best for you. Yeah. It is that classic Bible story of the two mothers and the baby being cut in half. And I'm sure two of you know more about it than I do. Okay. I don't know this one. I <laughs> oh, thought I knew a lot of Bible stories, okay. too. Oh, but so I don't remember this one. Fantastic Bible story. Um, <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember the names, and you'll have to forgive me for this. But there. Sorry, are- I'm throwing this at you. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh God! All right, let me, uh, let me dig back. Me let, me, uh, let me go back through the memory archives. I haven't dug into this one in a while. So there are these two women that are fighting over a baby, and they can't decide. They both claim to be the mother. Yes. They uh-huh. both claim that they're the mother, and neither is relenting. And they bring this child in front of their king. And I was it King Solomon? Yes, yes. It was. So this is Old Testament. Yes, this is. Oh yeah, this is Old Testament. Yeah, this is righteous God. Okay, see, this is why I'm not kind of glad that I grew up Catholic because Catholics don't fucking care about the Old Testament. Oh, it's, oh. The, it's all New Testament. Oh. They don't give a fuck. Oh no, I didn't realize that. Old, yeah. Old Testament God is scary. He's full yeah. of wrath yeah. and rage. Yeah. But yeah, Oof. so they bring they bring this baby in front of King Solomon. And they're both pleading their case that they are the true, they're the true mother. And very diplomatically, he just sort of shrugs his shoulders and says, "Well, I've got the solution. Then we'll just cut the baby in half, and you can each have half." The true mother objects because she's like, "No, I could never do that to my child." And the false mother says, "Okay, yeah, fine. That sounds great. Just right down the middle." Oh, and that's how King Solomon was able to determine which uh, which person was the true mother. Which goes back to Marjorie's point that. If Serena wanted to act like Nicole's true mother, she would have made the selfless choice instead of the selfish choice, yeah. mm-hmm. which is what June has been doing. And mm-hmm. kept the whole baby in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This scene was so interesting to me because it really just felt like two moms shooting the shit at the playground. Mm. Like, you know, just, just being mom, like watching your kids play at the playground mm-hmm. and then like that mom shows up and sits down next to you and buzz kills the shit out of your day. <laughs> like, I think a lot of moms have experience. Like, oh, yep. Fuck, she's like, oh, Jesus. she's here. Oh. And she can't even, like, <laughs> pretend to talk to somebody else because she's by herself so she's stuck with her. It was kind of like that. Um, and I wonder, so just, just before Fred walks in, mm-hmm. when June says to her, have you seen their handmaid? Yeah, like, in yeah. that minute, in, in that just a like, couple seconds before Fred was like, hey, I'm going to come on in and fuck things up for you. Yeah. Um, did June have a chance to tell her, do you realize what these handmaids have? No, no. I don't think so. Yeah, I didn't think about it. I just assumed that she must know, but you're right. I don't think she... Yeah. Would have seen, and I doubt that she would know. I don't know. Was was there, like, a split second where that transition between first saying that and then Fred walking in, did she have the opportunity oh. to be like, um, their fucking mounts are sewn shut with these weird rings, Serena. Huh? Uh, she must have, like, unless she shoves it back in her face later. That's what I was thinking, yeah. is that how else would yeah. she have known? Exactly. Okay. I didn't think about that and before. And so, and I feel like in that conversation, I feel like Serena was so close to flipping again. And then Fred walks in, mm-hmm. and he it up again like yep. only Fred can do. He just knows how to fuck everything up. <laughs> Every damn thing. <laughs> it's kind of interesting to see Fred and June interact throughout this episode because their dynamic has completely changed mm-hmm. because my gut tells me that Fred, for Fred, June was like this plaything, this this fun entertainment. But now he's got work shit and he's focused on his work shit mm-hmm. and he could care less about June mm-hmm. other than like the kind of weird, ominous look he kind of gave her for a half a second mm-hmm. before he walked in. After he walked in the door, he walks in and he announces to the Martha, he says, oh, Rita, I need this ironed. And she scurries away with it. And he looks at 
June and Serena for just a second, and I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to see that something is brewing. Mm -hmm. But then he kind of just brushed it off. But he really, like, just isn't playing with June the way he used to. And I feel like it's just because he's distracted with Winslow and his job and everything else. <laughs> and well. Winslow's sweet, sweet booty. <laughs> well, you know, so did we skip the part where um, they had that part. little, like, prayer circle yes, thing and with the wings? Wins and, um, okay, I was laughing my ass off when... <laughs> Fred says to Nick, would you mind standing in for me? And I'm like, isn't that Nick's whole purpose in the show is to stand in for you, Fred, where you can't perform? Is that, isn't that what you do? What he does? And I just had a rolling good laugh about that. And how come Fred and Serena don't have to kneel when we do prayer circle things? Why is it only the handmaids? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's been bothering me as well. Because it's very clearly just trying to show their power and dominance over the, um, over the handmaids. And yes. that's the propaganda that you're putting out into it's the world? It's really kind of fucked right, up. Right, right, fucked right, right. Up. Hold on. If, if we're all pious here in. and we're supposed to be bowing before God's yeah. greatness, get on your fucking knees, friend right. Serena. Exactly. Come on. Actually, <laughs> like you're above the word of God <laughs> that you hold so dear. Uh, and then, Hypocrites. And then that conver- or the uh, dynamic between Fred and, uh, yes. and Nick as well. I love that. That was comment. wonderful. <laughs> and at first when he said, or when he called Nick son, uh-huh. mm-hmm, I was so taken aback because we've talked before about, like, the dynamic that those two have. Yeah. And why is it that Fred is so accommodating and, like, so kind to Nick despite everything, knowing that he's fathered this child with June? And to hear him say son, it sounded slightly sarcastic at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get that revelation later on, later on about Nick has a much darker and deeper history than we originally oh, been aware of. Okay. And, right. and it sort of made me realize, like, looking back on that moment, that maybe in some strange, bizarre way, Fred does sort of view him as, as a son because he helped to birth Gilead. Right. He was responsible. Oh, interesting. Okay. Like, I feel like there was actually a little bit of respect there. Oh. Which... I thought that was 100% just power play and just a a real visual that Fred wasn't as good as Winslow is mm-hmm. at just putting him in his place. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was Fred trying to be like, <laughs> son. And then Winslow showing him how it's really done, how you really put someone in their place yeah. <laughs> when you want to be mm-hmm. alpha male. Yeah. But I felt like that was just Fred trying. Like I felt like it was really kind of cool to see Fred... In the room with just the handmaids and Aunt Lydia and Serena. Mm-hmm. And he is just running shit. And he's in all his glory. And you're like, oh, this is what he loves. This yes. is his moment. This is his thing. Mm-hmm. This is where he gets to show how great he is. And then Nick walks in and fucks it all up. Mm-hmm. Like, just his presence fucks it up. Yep. <laughs> and True. I felt like that's how Fred felt it was. Mm-hmm. And just kind of gave him that that son is like a... Uh, just a dig. See, and I can agree with everything you're saying. And when I At first moment, when yeah. I first watched it, that's exactly how I felt. But then in hindsight, looking back on it, yeah, I was like, like oh, why is he? I was like, why is he? Has he been so tolerant of this man for so right. long? Why did he ask him to stand in just to make sure that everything was squared away? Why is he continuing to play with this man the way that he is? And I think that the only reason that Fred t- continues to tolerate Nick in any sense is yeah. because of the presence that Nick had in uh, in being a soldier of Gilead. Okay. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm misconstruing that it's no, highly possible. I, I like the Fred component of that. I just get confused with the Gilead component of the power structure in general because if he was such a fucking hero, like, why was he a driver? 
You know, like Maybe that's it was where just I'm just like that. I don't know. And that's the thing is that's what I'm wondering about the eyes. Like if the eyes, if he's always been this important soldier mm-hmm. for whatever his role was, him going to the Waterfords as an eye. Are the eyes, do they, I don't know. I just don't understand how the eyes outrank or how they fall in with the commanders because he went from driver and eye to commander. And did anyone know he was an eye? Did Fred know he was an eye? Mm-hmm. Is, is the eyes a thing? Like, we have, how does it work? I, think, I just What's don't his know name? For, uh, commander Judd, like the one, the dude. Yeah, is that the Who guy? was killed okay. in the explosion. Right, the one that brought Nick yeah. in initially. Yeah, yep. I'm sure he knew that Nick was an eye right. because of that little right. combo that right. they had right. before right. things went kaboom. Yeah. Right. But he's gone. I forgot he died. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think we're, there's a lot that they're going to show us about what's happening there. I'm I'm guessing we're not supposed to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But I do like what you're saying about that being like a nod. Like Fred using that as like a, oh, we have a history. You, you've you done good mm-hmm. things here. Yeah. We're all on the same team. I don't like you personally. Right. But I'm going but to continue to tolerate your presence because yeah. of everything that we have done together in our past or what have okay. you. Which yeah. is all shrouded in mystery at this point. But. <laughs> right. Hey, let's twist that even more. What if it was almost kind of like a father-in-law's son kind of thing? Ugh. Which is Ew, gross, gross. Because he obviously sees June <laughs> yeah. as his property. Property. Yep. And Nick is obviously her man. You know, maybe Fred sees him himself as like a, a father in law figure. Yeah. Oh, and he's solid. And how, he would because he's this douchebag. Yeah, and, that's exactly and how an I ew. <laughs> he's, he, he's an egomaniac and he's yeah. egotistical <laughs> and would do anything to uh, to fuel his own ego. So, yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, uh, just his way of being like, we're family. Fuck <sighs> you, Fred. I'm just snarling my lip right now with that thought. <laughs> But then we get to find out that they're going to talk to the Swiss. Mm-hmm. And the meeting is happening, and June gets to go, and she gets to be brought in. Were you nervous for her? I was I terrified. didn't know what was going to happen. I, I was, was very nervous. So terrified. nervous. Like, that moment, I couldn't even be mad at Serena when Serena sat down next to her. When she when they said they wanted to talk to her alone, and Fred jumps in, they're like, well, it's our culture, and, and I want Which to Which, who gives a shit if it's your off. culture? And so I love that she at least jumped in there and was like, no, I don't mind at all. And then Serena sits down with her for that half second. They get to have mm-hmm. one sentence and she says don't be stupid and that was exactly what i was thinking like jesus christ you don't fuck this up i was nervous for her likewise but she went in like a boss i love that scene so much june is fine I love she's that. She's fine. Like, <laughs> she's she's fine. fine. She's got it under control. Thanks, Lawrence. And then when they were asking how to address her by uh, by name as well, oh, she, right. she went, June is fine. <laughs> it's like, no, no, you will not address me mm-hmm. as the property of another human being. Mm-hmm. You won't address me by some bizarre last name that I don't recognize. Yeah. You call me by my name. And get the guardians out. Yes. <laughs> so the imagery in this one, again... Um, they've got a shot of the flag. I can't remember if that's an indoor scene or an outdoor scene, but the irony of that flag, because it's the peace stuff. It's the peace stuff. It's I'm the like, peace stuff. I'm like, wow, you guys are obtuse yes, right? <laughs> as all get out. Mm-hmm. And then you have the umbrellas, all these black umbrellas and June's one red umbrella. Um, you know, again, she's like the only red spot there. And then she goes into the room with this black checkered floor and then it, everything <sighs> is 
is like tan or like black checkered and then you've got her with being one of the few spots of red yeah. just a few like flags placed around right. the imagery is just yeah, it's all there and I feel like when she was going in there she was feeling so desperate and alone mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like the proverbial little fish in a big pond because in Gilead she could run the show here it's a complete unknown Mm-hmm. And I feel like the imagery really drove that home with right. all the, the the black, you know, and the, just the one red spot that mm-hmm. was always her. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's a great mm-hmm. shot. I didn't really pay. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I love those scenes, but I didn't really read into it that much because mm-hmm. I was terrified that she was going to get herself in trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm, well, as she can, we've seen her do. <laughs> she is apt to do. But she did. She, I, I love this whole scene all the way down to the demanding of the handshake. When she put her hand out, I wasn't sure if he was going to I liked the, that. The I liked handshake. That well. I was like, you better shake her hand. Mm-hmm. And that was her wielding her power, and mm-hmm. which was lovely to see. Terrible to see him renege on that and to see that the Swiss were not being as diplomatic as they claimed to be. Right. Yeah. But not surprising. Uh, but it was really wonderful to see her actually wielding her power and commanding herself in front of these people of authority and then demanding the handshake, demanding to be treated as an equal and as a human being. And just to have the wherewithal to be able to know yeah. how to negotiate in that moment under mm-hmm. all that pressure just blew my mind. Yeah, it was it was a, it was impressive. It's kind of interesting. I mean, I guess they were only there for that discussion regarding Nicole and her welfare. But how in the hell did she resist from being like, do you know what they do with the handmaids here? Do you know what they do to us here? Do you understand what we're actually going through? But maybe she just didn't have that. They didn't have that time allotment. They had to get through what was important, the whole like purpose of why they're there. Mm -hmm. But my God, could you just imagine if they know the details of what well, actually happens in Gilead and they're sitting there as a neutral party? They probably well, do. I don't, I think they do to an extent. I, yes. I, I wonder. I, like, I, wanted, I would yeah, love to know, know the extent to which I they know. I think what do. he was trying to say, the, the man on that panel was trying to say was that there's not much they can do militarily until they know more. Yeah. Until, so fine. But I feel like. That was my gut, was like, just go in there and get Not, I knew at this point June isn't getting herself out, but just, I I wanted more of that, like, candor, but she tried that already. Mm -hmm. And that's what this scene brought back to me, was that scene for when she met with, like, the Was it the president of Mexico or an ambassador from Mexico? It was somebody. Yeah, it was someone from Mexico. And she basically tried that and was like, do you, I don't remember the exact conversation, but she tried that, like, and she even says in this meeting, she says, I don't expect you to feel bad for me or to try to change anything. Um, And it just brought it back to, like, that's what she tried before and it, backfired in her face too Mm -hmm. essentially i mean she got that little information about luke but for the most part she was like help me and they were like yeah we can't you make babies we need babies and called it a day so she knows and i think that conversation with nick that she has in a minute where she's like he's trying to basically mansplain politics to her and she's like no i know i know i I got i understand i'm I'm caught up i'm up to speed because she's like i've already done this i know i'm it it was nice to see that she learned from the first one it was like okay Mm -hmm. we're here for an agenda and the agenda is this baby so this is what we're going to talk about and it just reminded me so much of how far she's come and how far she has not come because here we are still She's still fucking there. Yeah. And somehow it, in one worse. piece. And somehow <laughs> I, in yes, one piece. How is she in one piece? Mm. She is 
God damn it. Because she's was... wearing plot armor. Uh, she's wearing she is. plot it's armor. plot armor, but I'm like, wow, at some point, at some point, she's going to lose something big. She's got Of course. It. Absolutely. It's and probably it's, a daughter. Uh, Almost I certainly. Know. I'm, still, I'm still thinking that Hannah's going to be Serena Fodder. Mm. Or maybe she's going to lose Nick. Mm. Or, I'm sorry, not Nick, not Nick. Uh, maybe she's going to lose uh, oh, lose shit. Luke. Yeah. Because Luke is now a fugitive. I never realized Nick and Nicole are so close. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think they named Nicole as a nod to Nick? <laughs> I don't know. No, no. Never because never occurred to me. Because, because they are because Serena and... Um, <laughs> it Serena makes and, a lot of sense. <laughs> it, it does. But, it's a terrible choice of a name out of all the names, Nicole. And also the spelling of it, too. That bothers <laughs> the, me the, so the, much. Every time H, I talk Ew, it makes my teeth itch. I am sorry to anybody whose name is Nicole and has the H... I just don't like it. I'm really sorry. It's I'm mostly just... It's a beautiful name, though. No, I'm mostly sorry because you can't find any keychains with your name spelled properly on yeah. it. That's gotta yeah, be... Yeah, that's gotta suck. The third grade struggle must be real. Um, <laughs> no, the but, Starbucks struggle must be <laughs> but, but I don't think it's... Uh, to to read it back in, I don't think that... Conver- or the uh, Nicole's name is a throwback to Nick um, because Serena would never do anything that selfless... And Serena right. was the one that named Nicole. You had that conversation in front of the uh, Lincoln Memorial where June says, I kept her name as Nicole. I did that to honor you. Mm. So I don't think that's a callback to Nick. Um, okay, but anyway, fine. so I think okay. the big thing that June might lose is going to be Luke because Luke is now a fugitive. Yeah. And they're going to protect the – the Canadian government's going to protect the baby at all costs. No, I think opposite. They're going to oh. say goodbye with that baby, but they'll protect Luke. Meaning they're not going to kill him. Or kill the baby. They're not going to, like, I think the baby's I life is going to be okay. I think they're going to happily give that baby back to Gilead to avoid military conflict. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're going to be like, fuck this kid. Here, yeah. just hand her back over at Niagara Falls. Here, you can have her back. Do you oh, think that they're going to hand over Luke, too? I do. Oh. I do. Could you imagine? Oh, man. I did imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just imagined. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> because he is a fugitive, he is a refugee, and he has, according to the propaganda that Irrelevant Fred is uh, is peddling, Ooh. he has stolen this child from Gilead. Well, it wouldn't be him. They, he does blame Emily. He says a fugitive, a crazy fugitive. So okay. Do you think he was talking about Luke? I just assumed he was talking about Emily. I thought Emily, he was talking so. about Emily. I All those times. well, when he's making that speech and that plea, he specifically mentions Luke by name. I think. Who's it? Wait, maybe he doesn't. I don't, ah, I don't even know what I'm talking. I think about. he says a crazy fugitive. He, well, he does say that my daughter, our, our daughter, is in is with a crazy fugitive, and then you cut to Luke holding Nicole. So ah. the very clear implication ah. is that Luke is this crazy yeah. fugitive. And regardless, they could want. Oh, nice spin, friend. Yeah, so, I mean, all this time we've been thinking that the thing that June has to lose is Hannah or Nicole. No, she could lose. Luke's got a target on his back. Yeah, Luke absolutely has a target on his back. And that's kind of June's one last shred of who she used to be. And that bums me out because I'm like, you think if you make it over the border to Canada, that's fucking that's it. it. I mm-hmm. mean, isn't that what we've all been thinking, especially since the 2016 general election? <laughs> it, God damn it, you make it into Canada, that's it. It's all okay. Yes. Everything's supposed to be great in Canada. 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 We love you, Canada. We love you. And to this little American over here, um, you're like, you are a wonderland. I've been to Canada's wonderland. Mm-hmm. Great fucking theme park. Not saying. <laughs> I feel 
feel like Canada lives up to that. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, it is an amazing place to live. I'm coming, Canada. <laughs> um, that's what she said. <laughs> but goddamn, the fucking insult of what this guy went through to get into goddamn Canada to be faced with the possibility that they could possibly take him back. Oh, my God. Who knows? Oh, my God. Sorry to find that little seed of doubt no, in your brain. it's okay. I mean, here we are. It's oh, like, it's, I think it's something we're going to have to think about just sooner rather than later. Oh, I'd rather think about it now than having that image thrown in my face like that handmaid's rings were. Oh, Yeah. Gruesome. Thanks for desensitizing me to this already. Of course. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, but can we just yes? But can we just really? I just want to talk about Winslow's butt shot. Can we just get to this? No, we gotta lead up to it. Come on. Okay, so we have the pool scene because there's so much more to it before the butt scene that Mm -hmm. I totally missed the butt scene the first time Mm -hmm. because I was just so in love with the way that Winslow was owning Fred, like just owning him, and it was so nice to finally see because, like we talked about before. These high commanders, that blew my mind. Like, mm-hmm. that just opened up such a floodgate of problems because there's so much more yeah. than the little bubble that we were living in. Yeah, and we just mm-hmm. don't know. And yeah. there, it's just so much bigger. So we got high commander. And even in the beginning when they first, they're in the in his office and they're playing pool. And oh, when they first meet, they he starts with that power play just from the beginning, mm-hmm. Winslow does, of... Fred meets him right in the beginning, way in the beginning of this episode. He meets him and Fred's like, Commander Will, hi, Commander Wilson. It's, you know, such an honor, blessed day, whatever. Oh, he thank says you for inviting him. us into yeah, your blessed and home. he gives him all these platitudes and he, he specifically calls him high commander, which I was like, oh, okay, that's what we do now. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> um, Winslow looks at him and goes and just greets him back. The only greeting he gives back is Waterford. Period. That's it. And it's just like, screw you. Like, I'm not, you don't have any titles. Yeah, you don't have yeah. anything. You are beneath me. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to give you any time of day. And uh-huh. it continues. And this, as they're having this drink and they're shooting this pool, and I'm like, oh, just take it down a notch, Fred. And he does. And so I thought the this ass shot with the pool was just a way of him just coming into his personal space of mm-hmm. like, I, you need to get out of my way. It was just a power play. I yep. really just read that as mm-hmm. power play. Until the hand on the shoulder. Yeah. Uh, a <laughs> man of your ass. everything. Uh-huh. A man of your assets could be useful. See, I, I think uh. that <laughs> Maloney's character in Oz just fucking ruined me. <laughs> so it's like they have this scene, and it's billiards, and you've got these two guys, and they're good-looking guys, and they're suspenders, and they're white shirts, and their pants are, you know, looking nice. And they're whacking their balls around. And they're whacking their balls around. <laughs> All over the place. Which is basically what Gilead is anyway. Yeah, it's pretty much, it's a metaphor for Gilead right there on the pool table. And I was just like, oh no, they are not. And because I think Maloney has been like typecast for me and not not as fucking Law and Order SVU's Detective Stabler. It was goddamn Oz. Ever since I saw that series, that is it. Every time I see him, I am just like... There he is. That is the guy who is completely comfortable playing a gay man uh-huh. on TV. And maybe it was like the haziness of the fucking It was, it was hazy. Oh, <laughs> yes. I don't know what it was, but I was like, we're not going there, are we? Are we? Yeah. And then he almost like knocks, you know, Waterford's glass out of his hands with his ass <laughs> and he's trying to make a shot. I'm like, oh, they are. Oh, my God. Okay. Got to watch this. Mm-hmm. 
And then again, I'm watching this with my kid and she's just like, what are, what are you freaking out about right now? I'm like, just, just let me have a moment. Okay. Just something, <laughs> something's happening and I don't feel like explaining it right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, when I, when the, that ass shot first happened, I thought it was fan service. So, um, if you go on the internet and you type in Christopher Maloney butt or Christopher Maloney ass, there's loads of pictures of him in his <laughs> in his dockers slash khakis from his Law and Order SVU days with his like with his butt sticking out. And I thought that that was just like the director's little way of giving us a little like here we go. We know that Christopher Maloney is one of those faces mm-hmm. that you cannot dissociate. Like everyone knows him from Law and Order SVU or from Oz mm-hmm. or Wet Hot American Summer, and you just can't turn your brain off when you see his face to that, mm-hmm. which is his only downfall as far as mm-hmm. as an actor. As far as I'm concerned, I think he's absolutely fantastic and brilliant at what he does. So I thought that that was fan service until the shoulder rub. <laughs> yep. Once shoulder the shoulder rub sealed it. Oh shit, uh, we're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I am so excited. I want yes. to see Fred be his bitch. I, so I want to see Fred be literally anybody's bitch, but especially Chris Maloney's. Oh, yes. God, I just want to see that so bad. I think it's fantastic. I don't know where they're going with the story, but I am down for it. Well, for he it, dangled this carrot in front of him. Kind of like a Maybe you too can yeah. you know, yeah, a man of your assets could be useful. I have you know what I have? Mm-hmm. Like you know he just no, dangled he, he that basically carrot. Offered him. He's like, like, I think you should be in the Capitol. You should yeah, come yeah. down here. We'll see how this all plays out. And I'm kind of like, I know how it's going to play out. I do. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> and I think Fred's going to be completely down with it because you think it, he's going to be down with it? I, I, I think hope he will not do down literally with it. fucking anything. Oh, for I think power. he will. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't want him to be down with it while he does it. I want him to not be down with it. I okay. I mean, hey, whatever. What June felt. Okay, yeah. That's, yeah, I, okay. I'm agreeing with Marjorie okay. on this right one. On. I want him to feel exactly how June felt. That or this like is what any you woman feels. Like, fine. Exactly. You want the power? Take your clothes off. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I want a director's couch with yep. High Commander Winslow. <laughs> They're in a situation where I'm kind of like, with him and with all of Gilead, this whole situation, yeah, it needs to be a tit for tat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this, I want to see real. I, this <laughs> is what we've been experiencing. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, we'll see. And you had that little moment where uh, where Winslow walks off and Fred's holding both <laughs> of the cue sticks. <laughs> and <laughs> looking so perplexed at, so where, confused. at where his life is about to lead. That's the Fred confused face. It's the only face he, he has. Is so Which, good job, Josephine. <laughs> you are fantastic. Or, Fines. Fines. Fines, yeah, Joseph Fines, good job. You, uh, you play confused better than anyone else. <laughs> oh, but I, I'm looking at that. And I'm thinking, and I couldn't get the imagery of him holding Winslow's dick out of my hands. Oh, all right. And like, yeah, like, YouTube, like with, rounds, that, yeah. with that, with like, <laughs> that, well, he doubled down and yeah, I just double fisted that. <laughs> and he's just holding it and looking at the pool and the the uh, the cues and just just almost defeated, but also very confused about what just happened so and it, what's currently happening in he, his life. Like he, is he too stupid to realize what was happening? Oh, no, he there? realized. I think oh, he realized. I don't think so. I thought I he was like, know yeah, getting a job um, in the Capitol. Like, no, I, I don't he think... He was really proud of it. Oh, I don't think it was getting a job in the Capitol. I think it was one of those, oh, this is a job in the Capitol. Oh, oh, you go back and watch that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's what I need like to that, do to come here. Yes, just that little, like, eyebrow twitch that he did was just like... Oh, oh, I'm I'm so conflicted now. Oh, and he deserves it. Yep. He deserves every <laughs> like, second of misery. And I genuinely, I'm with Marjorie on this. I want him to fucking suffer through it. Mm-hmm. And I know that, um, so Scarlett had mentioned um, off, off of film earlier that 
he's going to be a power bottom. (laughs) (laughs) I think he will be too. And at first, I want him to be so unokay with it. I want him to be fucking miserable, but then I want him to just put on his propaganda face and lean right into it and just be like, this is what I have to do for power. Oh, yeah, I think he, yep. I think um, he will. I, th- I think he would literally do anything I think for he power. Would too. I yeah. just want to see him sacrifice himself for for his ultimate mm-hmm. goal of yeah. power. God, the power lust is just disturbing. I mean, but I mean, good for you. Have at it. Have fun. I mean, I'm happy to see that Winslow is open with uh, with at least hitting on another man in Gilead, with being such a super religious place. Also, being such a super religious place and being a high commander, and you're gay. Or well, at least buy. Well, or at least buy. That opens up uh, so many doors. Whose babies are they? Well, are they? Well, are they all... not his babies? We know they're not his babies. Well, or it's like some or of them are. The not. baby might be his baby. Maybe, but it brings because up because they it, do have a handmaid and they have a baby. It certainly raises I uh, raises the question of parentage though, because mm-hmm. you have someone who is at the very least bi, maybe fully gay. And you have his wife who was like, oh, before Gilead happened, we were, I mean, we could never do this. I mean, I worked at my law firm and he had his job and we, like, we just didn't have the time. And well, maybe it's not that you didn't have the time, but it's that he's just not that into you. <laughs> but exactly. Like, but I feel like she's kind of into, like, she's fine with it. Like, she seems okay. Because it jumps right from that scene into the tea party scene. Right. And her and Serena are like just having this like totally normal wife conversation of like, oh, our husbands are idiots. Yeah. Well, except for they didn't say, not idiots, but you know, like they're just like, oh, our, they, she called them oversized children, men. <laughs> That's how the conversation started. I feel like she's kind of just like, Oh, but I don't jo- know what but George gets actually. like that too when he meets a new friend. Oh, that's a lie. I bet he does. <laughs> gets really, really giddy at the notion of it. Like the repressed homosexuality in that mm-hmm. household is running real deep, which usually people with uh, with that guilt and that repression of their homosexuality tend to lean heavily towards religion right. in an attempt to mm-hmm. exonerate themselves and cleanse their souls. So makes sense that he'd be a high commander and be at least questioning his sexuality. So, okay, this or makes Or at least me making think, us question his sexuality, right. rather. Yeah. We don't really see a whole lot of intimacy with the commanders and their wives. No. Okay, so do you remember, you know, like the first season, Serena and Fred going out and how reluctant Fred was? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got Commander Lawrence and his wife, mm-hmm. Eleanor, and you're just kind of like, wow, um, their relationship is so stilted. Mm-hmm. You can tell that they have, they must have trouble trying to be intimate at all. Mm-hmm, right. Then you've got Winslow and his wife. Who the fuck knows what's going on there? That's a whole other thing. Right. They have their bajillion kids as provided to them by uh, government <laughs> takeover and handmaids. Correct. Are the commanders and their wives forbidden from having sex with each other? Well... That goes back to something earlier that I wanted to ask you because neither of you mentioned it. It really, it freaked me out. Mm. When he goes and visits her in her room, I took it as a visit. Like, that wasn't her room. She's not spending the night with Fred, Serena, when Mm -hmm. at, like, that room was her room. Right. And he was just saying goodbye to her. So I'm guessing that they don't have sex for anything other than procreation. And I'm not really sure if the wives still have sex for procreation because they have a handmaid. 
Hmm. Huh. I don't even know if they share a bedroom. Like, yeah. it seemed protocol that Fred and Serena wouldn't share a bedroom, which is fucking weird to me. It doesn't seem that weird to me, though, considering right. so much of Gilead is thrown back to that 1950s uh, mentality yeah. where a husband and wife would have separate beds. Yeah, that So right. having separate bedrooms. Yeah. Just, um, doesn't seem that bizarre. And also, they're staying as guests in the high commander's house. Maybe it's for the sake of being polite. And that's what I was taking it as. Like, we're not going to be fornicating. Exactly. Under a high commander's, a high commander's house. Yeah, that's, that's that, kind of how that I took it. That was kind of how I took it, too. Yeah. Of like, oh, well, there's a time and place, and it's mm-hmm. not this. Right. And also, I think it was uh, it was an intentional choice to isolate Serena and to give her a physical embodiment of her isolation that she's feeling, whether or not it's intentional or whether or not you're allowed to have sex with your wife if you're a commander um, for anything other than fornication. I don't know. But it felt like it was more an intentional choice of, like, being polite. Okay. And also for the sake of giving Serena some isolation. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. But when we look at all the couples and all the strain that Gilead has put on all the couples, regardless of station, I don't they've strained this relationship so much they seem to be the happiest people i've seen in a while no they seem to be the most delusional people i've no, seen <laughs> so i think so we see like the weird antics there's certainly some homosexuality going mm-hmm. on in the winslow household yeah. Yeah. and then we see um the wife brings up serena's book mm-hmm. which i mean she said she calls it a little taboo yeah, but i taboo. feel like i mean serena's missing a finger for that essentially yeah so it's not really that taboo it's basically against the law like they just seem to be reaping the benefits and enjoying their station in life given these set of rules and i feel like just like the capital as much as the capital has been iconic that we it we're just brought back into the terror of season one for us as the viewer but for the people in capital i feel like this is just their way they bend the rules just like the waterfords do just in their own ways i mean they have all the power why wouldn't they they get to reap the benefits of all of the pain that they sow Mm -hmm. so why wouldn't they be sitting pretty and happy they seem like they're doing just fine when you said so, I know that you meant it as reap what you sow, but my mind immediately went to uh, went to string and sewing their mouths shut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so nice, uh, nice double play there. Yay! I didn't even do it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally get what you're saying, Marjorie, about that, about how they seem totally fine and adjusted with everything. Um, I kind of read the conversation that Serena had with. Winslow's wife more as like every every time that she speaks something seems very off she seems like the sort of person that we've all met people like this that are so polite and so nice and so kind and you just look at them and go oh honey who hurt you (laughs) what damage are you covering up by being so sweet and so kind and so nice and as soon as she started talking when the first time we met her and she goes to embrace Serena and then in this interaction as well Something about the way that she speaks just triggered that thought in my head of like, oh, honey, who hurt you? Because it feels very much more like a coping mechanism to me. Interesting. And uh, it feels more like she's Winslow's beard. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. That I could – I feel Mm -hmm. like that's that's what I guess I mean is like they just seem like they're 
they're reaping the benefits of being in this mm-hmm. society. And it's not so much that they get behind it as much as they're just like, well, this works for us. Right. And I feel like it's survival is just the same way mm-hmm. as of Matthew. If we look back at her and drinking the juice and going right. through the motions. Right. But of Matthew is in a much different situation than, and I wish we knew her first name, but it's probably important that we don't know it. Um, but the same way as Winslow's wife. But she gets to be in the beneficial side of drinking the juice. So she's drinking the juice full. And she's like, yes, everything's amazing and fantastic. I love my life. Of course, whose else children would these be? My life is perfect. Yeah. Because she has the advantage of having drank in the juice, but being on the advantageous side of it. I I see her as being a very damaged person. Just the way that her interactions are with Serena. I want to shake her and be like, you've been damaged, but you just happen to have found yourself in a very good lot. We have a lot to see with the Winslows. I'm excited. We do. Hopefully more of Winslow's sweet, sweet ass. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah. I... I want to see that sweet, sweet ass pounding into Fred. Fuck yes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes. <sighs> so, oh, oh, the rape. But in the. Yes. 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 And then that, that's. Oh, yes. Oh, go yes. For it, go for it. So. <laughs> it's that first. So, going back to what you were talking about, or you guys were talking about how we never really see those moments of tenderness between the commanders and their wives. And then when. Um, when Serena goes to hand Fred and his lion the sugar, and you have that perfect image of her holding the sugar pot with her false finger and the wedding ring. And Fred sees it, and they look at each other, and they have this tender little I moment where they catch s- that. Oh, he oh. looks genuinely remorseful. He like, looks genuinely remorseful, and then she has this, like, endearing look on her face. She has this, like, she has, I think if anyone's drank the Kool-Aid in this room at this point, it is her. She is absolutely soaking this up, Mm -hmm. and Uh she is watching her husband have a tea party with his little kid. And when he's sitting there pretending to talk with like little like animals, and when he he was selling the fatherhood thing so hard, and she was like, "I'm in, yes, Yes. whatever the fuck you want, I'm in. I want this life." That's the scene. And Mm -hmm. she he comes over and asks for the sugar with the lion, and she hands him the sugar, and that's when you get that shot of the finger and he looks at her, and you can see. I mean, the closest thing you're going to see to remorse, I think, from Fred in that moment. Like, his eyes are watering, and he is, like, just looking at her. It's the first time the two of them have had a moment yeah. in forever, and it's in this moment where it's like, oh, you two fucking people. And they deserve <laughs> each other. They really they, do. They are a match made in yeah. heaven. Yep. And but, it was Go ahead. You're I was going to say, it's so tender. I was say, no, it's so tender and so endearing. Um, but also... How do we know that Fred's not tearing up slightly because he's finally suckered Serena into being part of the propaganda machine? It could be. It could be entirely because he definitely yeah. knows this is where mm-hmm. he needs her. And that's the line he says. And that could be read mm-hmm. two ways. Because so he's got this lion in his hand, mm-hmm. this little stuffed animal. Could you and, some yeah. sugar? <laughs> she passes the sugar. They have their moment. But then little Polly comes over and takes the lion mm-hmm. from him. And he turns to Serena after they have their little moment. And it's all quiet for a second. And then he says, I lost my lion. And to me, I'm like, that is such a Serena line because she was the lion. She was the lion in their relationship. And he lost their lion. He snuffed her out. And the only way to bring her back to life is to dangle his fucking baby in front of her face. And she's like, okay, I'm back on board. And here she is. Oh, that is... I missed that. And that is brilliant. Same here. Totally missed that. Super clever. Lost my lion. Wow. That is a brilliant observation. Wow. And I'm just sitting here like, 
I'm in awe. We are we are flabbergasted. Uh, yeah, that, that was excellent. Man, Scarlett, you <laughs> and I missed that really, really yeah. hard. That is, they, they were slapping us in the face with that. That is fucking brilliant. But I like that scene. I just because it was so subtle. It was mm-hmm. like the girl comes over, she takes the lion, and it's all this thing, and then yeah. he just goes, "I lost my lion." But oh. I'm like, "I lost my lion." As he yeah. looks at her, that's and so that's funny. because and, that was yeah. the the spark of the relationship yeah. for so long. Was she was the one? She he was mm-hmm. just supporting her, mm-hmm. and she was this lion. But then she was this lion within Gilead, just trying to get this fucking baby. Mm-hmm. And then he thought he lost her, and now he's got her back. See, and I it, totally it could did be that read it he like was that. Like, I've got my lion in my corner. Right. Yeah. Or it could be, I've lost my lion. Oh, you know, I've lost my lion, but I want her back in my corner. Or I've lost my lion, like, pre-Gilead. But I, I'm I'm guessing it's more of a, I got you back now. Yeah. All right. Ooh. So I think we have to, uh, I think we have to edit Fred's title a little bit. Because he's no longer seeming super right? irrelevant. He is. Uh, Fucking Fred, man. Yeah, no longer irrelevant. All right. <laughs> Begrudgingly, are you agreeing to this? Yeah, I'm more stressed like because it. I have to come up with a new name for I him. Oh, duplicitous Fred. All right. No. That works. Bottom Fred. <laughs> Power bottom Fred. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the ranch, June has literally been sleeping with the fucking enemy. <gasps> no. Yes. No. Yes. There is more to Nick's story. He says it oh. so. Oh. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. You get in bed with the government. It's not so easy to get out. He is telling her he fucked up. And, and he he's not wrong. How, but he's not wrong. But he could have been honest with her straight from the get-go. I mean, obviously, That's okay, true. maybe not straight from the get-go. But <laughs> he had an opportunity here to discuss with her and tell her specifically why it was a bad idea to get involved with the government. And he didn't. He left her in the dark, just like every other man in Gilead. I can't I can't argue that. That's true. Also, I mean, maybe this was just a semantic thing, but you're sneaking out of your room. Wait, she snuck out of her room at the bit of a Martha. So if nothing else, the capital Marthas are still running some kind of network. Yes. So mm. that was, yeah. I like that the Martha came you together, are right. and I was yeah. like, oh, I like that. But I was also like, oh, my God, girl, don't you know this is how people get their mouths sewn shut? What are right? you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Wandering and also, outside with her hair down. Just... In the snow, oh, they I can know. see your footprints. Yes. As Thank soon you. as I saw her take those first steps in the snow, I was like, I didn't think about what that. are you doing? I, I was you like, levitate, get... levitate now. <laughs> oh, my God, they're going to see your footprints. Shuffle your feet. Oh, like, anything. Yeah. That perfectly placed snow, no fre- no fresh footprints at all, and then you have oh, so stupid, so stupid. Ah, oh, and then oh, her pleas to uh, to him, which like, was good. That's June at her best. Yeah. She knows how to get people to do what she wants. Yes. She did it with Fred, and she's doing it. I think she's doing it with Nick. I wouldn't say this is, like, some epic love story. Don't get me wrong. I, mm-hmm. I'm Team Nick, but I'm not Team Nick, Team June, like, some kind of relate. I mean, they have a relationship, and she told the Swiss it's complicated, and I love right. that. But I just feel like there's more to Nick's story, and I'm not ready to write Nick off yet. Done. Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm writing Nick off, but it is highly suspect. wrote Nick off. Okay, yeah, I did write Nick <laughs> off. <laughs> well, because he didn't seem particularly relevant either. I mean, he was an outlet for June for how Correct. long? Yeah. Correct. And now, all of a sudden, we find out that he is kind of like a fucking military mastermind. And I'm like, uh, but, whoa, but hey. We don't. We don't. That's only the implication. Yes, but it's an he, implication. Well, it's a strong we know implication. A soldier, like, but, a, a soldier who has... 
a, a gauntlet of other soldiers saluting. Wait, well, we don't know that yet. A soldier <laughs> that Serena says, we wouldn't be here without him. But that's Serena. And I think that that Serena setup was Serena playing games. That was Serena sticking it to June. It was. Look at the way she said it. She was like, I'm surprised he didn't tell you that. That like was dropped. her sticking it to June. Like, Absolutely. I'll agree with yes. that. I think Serena, I I don't trust the word Serena says at that point in that conversation. I feel like Serena is just trying to fuck with her. Okay. And not saying that Serena's information is wrong. All she said was he was a soldier in the crusade. Fine. She also says we wouldn't be here without him. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, we've said that for Lawrence. We've said that for Serena. And also, <laughs> apparently, they, everyone we meet is some kind of Gilead mastermind. And they also literally wouldn't be there if it weren't for Nick. Because if Nick didn't exist, then Jude wouldn't been pregnant, and they wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't have been wouldn't in this whole situation in the first place. Okay, maybe right. that's what she meant. Right. I don't know what she meant, other than I know there's more to Nick's story, mm-hmm. and I am not writing him off yet. And this is why I feel like this fucking shit is going to go on for like at least another season because mm-hmm. we're halfway yeah. through the third season. We still don't have the full backstory on Nick and what exactly we did. We're, like we're missing a big chunk there, <laughs> we're missing a big and chunk. we still don't have backstory on fucking Aunt Lydia, mm-hmm. which that's coming. Uh, that, it's that coming. has got to be coming. Yes. That has got to be coming. Before coming. we move on to Aunt Lydia, though, I want to oh, just yeah, continue on with Nick. Like you have that conversation that Nick and June have in the snowy courtyard mm. in a high commander's courtyard at that. Like, this is your chance to be a father to our daughter. How many of those do you think you're going to get? So good. Oh, I loved that. So, a great line. It was a fantastic line. I love that. I didn't see it coming. I didn't yeah. know what she was going to say to him. No. And I love that because that is June at her best. Absolutely. But then in the next scene, we have her asking, like, what did Nick do? And we have this unraveling of who we, th- or, or at least who you thought Nick was. <laughs> I have a confir- I had confirmation that he's a seedy bastard. I'm sorry. As soon as they started doing the hand tangly thing, I was like, <laughs> done. Not interested. I can't. No, I know. Oh, you're a hopeless romantic. Not going to fault you for it. It's not even a hopeless romantic. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the sound of me choking. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Nick. It's, I like Nick because it was Nick, Nick that gave... June was able to take her agency back for herself with Nick. I will always love the two of them together because mm-hmm. it's the only time that June has been able to do something for herself. Like, we talked about it last episode. They are starved for touch. She got touched right. with Nick. She got out with Nick. Jesus Christ, Nick has been trying to get her out for a long time. Mm-hmm. So whatever Nick's deal is... I know that he's got a complicated story, and I'm ready to listen impartially. <laughs> impartially. I'm, I'm ready to listen with a cocked eyebrow and my arms crossed. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you, Roxy. <laughs> Please just explain yourself. Okay, we've seen enough to, of Nick to know, if nothing else, based on his marriage to Eden, that he's not a total fucking asshole, and he's not drank the Kool-Aid Gilead. That's the thing. He can't be totally on board with all things he Gilead, because be, right? his whole thing with, with Eden, he was just like, oh, this is so <laughs> he, awkward. He didn't know how to handle it. He fucked it up. Yeah. But he tried. I don't think he, was, he wasn't trying to be an asshole. He wasn't trying to get her killed. He wasn't trying to rape her. None of that was happening. I don't think he's on board with Gilead. I just don't. I think he's scared. I don't think he knows what to do. We don't know enough to know what he's dealing with, but I would say that he doesn't have the balls that June has. Ah, Maybe his strengths fucking lie in just taking orders and getting things done, and that's 
regardless of what the cause is. I don't know. I think there's a duplicity with this boy that um, that if we're afforded the chance to see his backstory, it's going to be very compelling. But I, I think he's far more sinister than we've uh, than we've given him credit for. Oh, I hope so. And I think they definitely alluded to that in this episode. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's definitely creepy. I mean, they're definitely alluding to creepy. They're alluding to more powerful than we've been led to believe. <laughs> That's true. Mm, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, but to an extent, we've been led to believe that. I mean, look at the shit he's done, and all of a sudden it's like, remember all the times, like, season two, when she's given birth, and he's, like, taken away, and he's shot in the foot or the leg or whatever. Yeah. And then, like, we get nothing. We mm-hmm. don't have any of what happened yeah. other than he's in the office with Fred, and they're hanging a picture. And everything's fine, and it, that was always that has always been my gripe: is what is what is Nick's deal? What is what do the eyes do? Like, does everyone know he's an eye? Is it a secret that he's an eye? Like, or is nothing. It, There's so much mystery. Or is it what does Gilead owe him to protect him? I don't think he's that fucking smart, or good, or great, or <laughs> heroic, or mo- or manipulative, or none of that. I don't. Th- I think he's more like just. <laughs> Your face was just so despondent, just like meh. It's just clay. You just shape him how you want him to. Like, why? Which makes him a perfect soldier. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm so saying. That's, like, I see how saying. he got himself into this mess. Well, it doesn't matter how but. he got himself into this mess. The fact of the matter is that he is a perfect soldier. He is responsible for, at least in Serena's eyes, because she's the only tidbit of information that we have, without him, then we wouldn't be where we are, which implies that he was instrumental in the creation and of Gilead from the military standpoint. So regardless of whether or not mentally he's just this malleable ball of clay, Gilead owes him something that's afforded him protection. All right. I'm just still thrown by the fact that he was a driver, which was such a, it seemed like such a knock of a thing. You know what I mean? Like that's pretty low on the totem pole. So I just Mm -hmm. don't understand, but uh, that could have been the deal of... That could have been the deal. Of. Yeah. That just could have been the deal. Like we're gonna, you're gonna go underground. Like, yeah, you're gonna like, be the undercover this is like cop, the witness protection basically. program, right. all in Gilead, right. Mm-hmm. right? Or maybe he's just that good at covert ops. Maybe. Okay. Or maybe I'm giving him way too much credit. <laughs> might all be okay. Too much credit. So what we're saying is we need way more backstory on Nick because we don't fucking get this guy at all. I have not. I've always been Team Nick, and I've never understood him. I've never understood what the ideal was. Even mm-hmm. when I read the book, I wanted more on the eyes. I thought I'd get yeah. more on the show. I've got nothing so far. I want more on Nick. And I think that's an, that's really intentional on the director's part is to not give us any information on the eye because the more information we have the more comfortable we're going to be with seeing them because we're going to have expectations. We're going to know what to expect every time we see an eye on the screen, every time an eye comes to pick up June. Mm. By not knowing their role, by not knowing where they stand in the hierarchy. Who's the eyes? We yeah. Don't know about we don't know yet. anything about it. So anytime we see them, it's automatically the sense of impending doom. At least that's how I read it. I feel like the show's moved away from the eyes, though. I'm interested to see if they'll bring it back. They have moved away from the eyes, but tell me that you didn't feel at least slightly trepidatious Mm. when you saw the eyes when uh, Aunt Lydia was dropping off June and putting her in her spot. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Or when the eyes were coming to pick June. Would you say they were eyes or guardians? You think the guardians are eyes in general? Could be. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I guess that in the book, it's just so no one knows who the eyes are. The eyes could be anyone. And then I feel like the show just stopped mentioning that they're mm-hmm. eyes. Like, I know in the first season, June asked him, 
are you and I, like mm-hmm. flat out. And then it's just kind of gone away. So we'll see. I'm, I I think they'll bring it back. I just think they're waiting. They're sitting it, on it. There's a lot of terror regarding the possibility that somebody could be an I. Like, right. you know, when right. I was mentioned that Nick yeah. could be, or, or there was an anybody. I in her house, right. like period. Right. Right. And it was just like, <gasps> oh yes. my God. Someone is watching every move you make and you don't know who it is. And now it just seems like Fred, like whatever the deal with Fred and Nick is, we just don't know enough. We no, don't know. But what if Fred's an I? <laughs> oh, <laughs> can you even it. imagine? So many rabbit holes. Giant, so little time. Confused I. <laughs> A wandering I. That's exactly what you would Pink eye. Oh, but we're deviating away from what I think is the best scene in this uh, episode. Mm. This tender moment that you have between Aunt Lydia and June. <sighs> Because oh, we go straight really from hard. Nick walking down that corridor and getting saluted by all of these guardians in black, and then immediately to June's dressing room. And you have Aunt Lydia strolling in, and this little sliver of humanity that you see from Aunt Lydia, and this little shred of humanity, yeah. it was very jarring. And I wasn't, in t- I was very, I was struggling with how I was supposed to feel about it because Aunt Lydia is the sort of woman who has been so complacent in other women's dehumanization. Mm-hmm. So to have June ask her outright, can I ask you a question? Do you want to see us silenced? And she used the little girl voice. Yes. She did. She used the cutesy voice. I'm like, oh, she is using that. Ah. That was such a tipping point for me when that voice came out. And I was thinking just of you and what you said. Because I'm like, wow, she's manipulating here. Mm -hmm. She is trying to get a feel for where Lydia Mm -hmm, feels. mm -hmm. Because that's how I felt. I didn't know where Lydia stood. Oh, yeah. What she thought of these. If she was going to go home and implement them. Mm -hmm. Or what was happening with with Lydia mm-hmm. and I feel like that was June trying to feel her out like let me just let me just doe eye you yeah and see where it gets me and and it worked it, it worked my word <laughs> it and worked. to see Aunt Lydia bare her soul and say if I can help just one person one soul that's enough mm. and then and then I think of you and they have this moment where Aunt Lydia tenderly puts her arm around June and they lean into each other and offer each other's shoulders while they're just silently crying. My God, that was... That was really hard. Mm -hmm. I have two thoughts on this. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really sure what she meant by, and I I think of you. Is it, I'm inspired by you, or is it that she's thinking of helping June? Oh, I like that. And I actually was uh, having that same sort of issue because I yeah. wrote, are we about to see the weirdest, strangest alliance? Yes, that's yeah. where I went. That's yeah. where I was leaning towards. But then I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. Aunt Lydia is just like, I don't know that June. She's mm-hmm. such a fighter. Right. Like, right. Right. And then I thought that as well. When yeah. you see um, June trying to put the, uh, the neck brace thing on mm-hmm. and she asks Aunt Lydia for help and Aunt Lydia very slowly clips it up. And June turns around, and Aunt Lydia looks at her with almost this look of admiration, which was very confusing. So then you have this moment where June is looking in the mirror, and Aunt Lydia is behind her. And I wasn't even looking at June at this point. I was just staring at Aunt Lydia. Uh And her eyes just seemed to have this admiration for how strong June was. Right. I think it was the strength. That's what I thought. Because right after they're crying, June kind of steals herself again. Mm -hmm. 
and then stands up. And you can see Lydia watching her, like, almost curious. Like, yeah. what is she going to do? Where does she go from this? Because I felt like Lydia was still kind of distraught in that moment. And June's already like, okay, the time has come. The yeah. moment's over. And that scene where she asks her to put it on. Uh, and Aunt Lydia gets teary-eyed. Oh, but it was such a, like mother like I'm getting ready for prom scene and it was I don't know if it was that it wasn't joyful like that no 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 no. but just that like like help me get dressed and but with this terrible terrible the sound of those clasps and the tightness of it the tightness of it was shocking okay but the sound and that was the second time we've heard that sound that sound bothered me yeah I did not like it no I didn't like anything each one was although I will say that as I'm watching it all I could think of is those rings and if like that would be painful to like I was just thinking that teeth your teeth well, I mean, God damn it! Even in Gilead, dental <laughs> care is a luxury. They give a shit about their teeth, right? <laughs> That's why I like cholesterol's high. That's our biggest problem. No, but I mean, <laughs> dental health is important. <laughs> it is. It is. Not in Gilead, not for the uterus. <laughs> Right, as long as their uterus is healthy and they happy, that's all that matters. They don't even care if they can brush their teeth, goddammit. I know, that's oh, true. God. But, as it, but it was tight, and you could yeah. see how tight it was, mm-hmm. and that's what I was, because clearly it was just, you know, symbolic. It mm-hmm. wasn't like the real rings, but it was so tight, and so it looked so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and it was so horrific in that moment. But then... <laughs> Five seconds later at the Lincoln Memorial, she just whips it right like, off. Yeah, and I, was like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. So it's mm-hmm. not really that tight. but it And it couldn't be that tight if earlier that handmaid that um, had the rings in her right. mouth, it, it was slipped down. down. Exactly. Yeah. But I think just in that moment, uh, because Aunt Lydia was pulling it back. Mm-hmm. And man, to have that, that moment of humanity. I mean, yes, the scene between Serena and June in front of the uh, demolished Lincoln Memorial was incredibly powerful and visceral. But I think where this show really shines is when you have these moments of genuine human interaction and vulnerability. Because so much of this world is so bleak and dark and desolate that to have that little tiny sliver of hope and humanity is where this show really reels you in and gives you that false sense of security. So that's why I really, I like genuinely appreciated mm-hmm. this scene yeah. so I mean, much. How many times have we had that with Aunt Lydia? Right. She is like her character is the fucking queen of I'm gonna give you a little bit of caring. Like she even does mm-hmm. with Janine, like yeah. before she beats the ever loving shit out right. of her. She does that over and over and over and over again. She's the caring caregiver who cares <laughs> until she beats the shit out of you. Right. And you're like so she I feel like she is the she's the epitome of abusive parent. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then does that make you wonder whether or not Aunt Lydia is going to lash out at some point against June um, in the next episode? See, I, I don't know. This is the first time I've ever gotten resistance vibes from Lydia. Mm. Yeah, I um, was getting some strong I've resistance heard vibes. Mm-hmm. people say that, and I'm like, I just don't see it. I don't see it. And this is the first time I'm like, oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's not fully on board with all of Gilead. She's on, She's got, like, her own prescription for what she thinks the world is. I think I think she looks for fairness. I think I think that's for righteousness. It's fairness, yeah. Fairness and righteousness. But she does like fairness because she She, says to Janine a lot of times when she wants to 
kind of calm her down uh-huh. of, I know it's not fair, yes. but this is where we're at. Yep. Or, or think about, you know, um, back in season one where they're going to be at that dinner with all the diplomats for the one where they bring out all the children right. and they have to put and, away all right. of the handmaids That's that it, yeah. are imperfect. They, yeah. they are imperfect yeah. apples. And... She was indignant about yeah, that. She, she felt like bad. That. She, no. I think she very much was like, these girls, you know, have proven themselves and they've been right. good and they should have the right to attend this dinner. Mm-hmm. And then Serena comes in with her, you know, fucking Serena-ness and ruins it and is yeah. like, no, get rid of the imperfect apples. Right. And she has to explain to Janine, like, yeah, this isn't fair, but, but this is how we're going to make it better. And yeah. you see that time and again. Yeah. And... I'm wondering at what point is Aunt Lydia going to be like, all right, I am done with this bullshit. And is she going to start undermining from the inside? Well, it kind of goes back to what you were saying of like, just the general, like Lydia, we, she beats the shit out of people. Mm -hmm. She walks around with a cattle prod. We don't think of her as like naturally very nurturing in general, but in this setting, she is Mm. kind of more nurturing and more of a mother of kind of like an aunt. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in this moment, she's, Lydia really, she gets behind the punishments. Yeah. She thinks the punishments are for a purpose and she for an end It's for goal. their own good. It's for their own good, exactly. And so where Serena sees it as, oh, this isn't good propaganda, we can't have all these deformed people that we pluck their eyeballs out. Mm-hmm. But to, to Lydia, that's just what Janine's had to go through to get to where she's at. And there's nothing wrong with her eyeball missing because now she's a good, obedient girl. Mm-hmm. And justify the means. Yeah. Uh Yeah. She's going to be complicated. She is complicated. I think she's coming around. I don't think she's fully on board with Gilead. Especially considering um, she said that she was, she missed home and that she was feeling tired. Yeah. I love that line, home. Yeah. Because that's all I wanted them to do was go back home. I'm saying fucking capital. And Lydia's like, yeah, I like, I would also like to get the fuck out of here. And for Lydia to be saying that, Mm -hmm. like, the queen crusader of beating these girls down in uh, in so far as we've seen in Gilead other than the capital for her to be saying that if that doesn't make you take pause and realize just how jarring and dilapidated things are in the capital then nothing will you know what though actually i'm thinking that lydia might be more like lawrence we've got a little bit of him kind of justifying the means mm-hmm. to an end and the end was like he said to june at one point like what do you mean I'm not doing the best thing for your daughter? I'm saving humanity for your daughter. Right. Yeah. And I feel like Lydia thinks the same way in terms of that part of Gilead. She holds her job in really high esteem mm-hmm. of preparing these handmaids to birth these children for this country, which is the goal at Gilead. It should be. I think she's you're losing her on some of the really awful aspects like the rings I mm-hmm. think that might be the line for Lydia so it's interesting mm-hmm. to see where the line is but she's just always been behind having babies like the babies were the thing I mean remember when June got pregnant she was sobbing as she rang the bells like that was a moment for yeah. her that was whatever that moment was that she was experiencing that was a moment and so for her to be the aunt and to prepare all these women and to do all these terrible things I feel like she's at least been able to justify that within herself of it's for the greater good Mm -hmm. of having these babies and there's nothing better than a baby and she wants nothing more than to protect all these babies and to do what's best for the handmaid and the baby as long as it produces a happy baby. Mm 
-hmm. And that's always been her goal. And I feel like that was Lawrence's main goal initially, too, for him to try to justify that to to June of, I did what's best for your daughter. I don't understand why you don't think this is best Mm -hmm. for your daughter. I've saved humanity. He said that word exactly. Like, I've saved humanity. And I feel Mm -hmm. like Lydia can think that she's part of saving humanity by producing these handmaids Hmm. and training these handmaids to produce these children for Gilead, which is part of the greater good. Yeah. The greater good. And she's realizing (laughs) that the greater good isn't greater for everybody. Mm -mm. Sucks for most. (laughs) That's a, that's a very compelling analogy between the two of them. I hadn't thought of the comparisons between, between Lawrence and, um, and Aunt Lydia and their ideologies. Or at least their motivations of, there is a crisis happening mm-hmm. in this world. Right. With Mexico was saying it too when June was like, get me the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Just put an end to this. And they're like, mm, but baby is so cool. Like we haven't seen a baby in forever. So it's a real problem. And I feel like at least mm-hmm. there's some humanity in it. If you can look at Lydia and Lawrence as trying to just continue the human race. Yeah. As misguided as they may be. If that were the case, though, then at least right. paint it as such. Be like, listen, we our hands are tied here. You happen to have a working uterus. And, I mean, volunteers. Mankind as we know <laughs> it is going to be decimated and uh, within a generation. So you want to volunteer your uterus? That'd be cool. Yeah, well, they get in bed with these crazy Gilead people. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get this bastardization of religion that you used last time that just was stuck in my brain. I love mm-hmm. that phrase. But that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're coming to a head of seeing that clash of you have Gilead and all their religious and all their mm-hmm. patriarch and their misogyny and their just cruelty. And then you have the people that kind of helped get it into place, like the Lydia's, mm-hmm. like Lawrence specifically who aren't on board with the Gilead part of it, or at least not on board with the entire patriarchy and the religious aspects of it. Oh, I don't know if Lydia's super religious. Yeah, I would say Lydia probably has a pretty strong religious backbone. I mean, that I think is probably her driving force, whereas Mm -hmm. I don't know what Lawrence's driving force is. Logic. (laughs) Logic, just sheer numbers. Absolutely. Yeah, he's just like, this makes sense. Oh, wait, there are people that are affected by this? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Didn't think about those repercussions. Yeah. And like you said, you have this um, this bastardization of religion coming to a head, and we get that in the final scene. Oh. The Lincoln Memorial ripped me apart. It ripped me apart. <laughs> it was when she, in that first scene, when she's walking up and she's alone. And everything's and in black and white. She's up. the only red thing. Oh. And- Comes into focus. And she's standing in front of Lincoln Memorial. Now, I just recently went to the Lincoln Memorial for the mm-hmm. first time within mm-hmm. the last year. And so it was all very fresh in my mind of that experience and how crowded it was. And to, for it to be just completely empty was such a luxury mm-hmm. that just it seemed like such a Gilead thing for no one's even fucking walk, standing in the Lincoln Memorial because why would they? What is because that even it's like? Yeah. <laughs> if but as she walked up, I will say that I... In that moment, was brought out of the scene a little bit because they showed his head just blown off. And I yes. was like, and they showed June. And I'm like, oh, God, she's going to make a joke about his head being blown off. Like, oh. she's going to make a joke. Here it comes. Here comes the joke about Lincoln getting shot in the head. And then, <laughs> but instead, it was a no. super emotional moment. And it brought me right back into it. And I was like, forget the, the Lincoln joke mm-hmm. because it just brought me, it was such an emotional thing for her to see that. And did she pulled the, 
face mask mm-hmm. yes. off her face before then. Right. And then she could hear Serena walking up and she put it back on. Serena right? ruins everything. Did you notice that when June was, I'm not sure if this was before Serena or after Serena, it doesn't matter, but when she was standing in front of it and she was looking up and you have the crater in the concrete mm-hmm. above yeah. it Gunshot. and the crack looked like a tree. A tree. I saw that. It looked yes, like a tree yes, growing yes. out of it the wreckage. It so did. That. It's such a really beautiful cool image. Yes. It's really cool. There's a couple of vantage points and, and it's, <sighs> It's very noticeable if you like just just focus in yeah. on it. If once you see it, you're not. I wasn't not, sure if I was like imagining things because I saw it yeah. and I was just like t- completely encapsulated yeah. on that image so, of just this so life cool growing out of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I had a hard time. Um, Serena and June have their confrontation, mm-hmm. and it was really epic. And. Ugh. Both of them said all the things that they wanted to fucking say <laughs> yes. to each other about how much they hate each other's guts. Yeah. That was so cool, but I couldn't get over the cinematography. Them walking towards each other yes. in front of the Lincoln Memorial, mm-hmm. and it, it's literally like, it's the Civil War. It's the Civil War. You have, yes. you know, the pro-slavery side and the mm-hmm. anti-slavery side mm-hmm. coming together yes. in front of Abe Lincoln it and fucking so duking perfect. it out. Yes. And there it is. It's And so that's where I was like... Basically, this like whole show, if you want to get into the historical minutiae of what they're doing, it's a metaphor for slavery in this country. Yes. That's, that's all it is. So you have this incredibly strong image where they are discussing what's, happen- or what's happening with them personally, but as an over- overreaching umbrella arc of the fact that Gilead is in the business of enslaving these women Mm -hmm. and to have it in front of the Lincoln Memorial with his head blasted off like the man who regardless of whether or not it's true is is praised by most as being the uh, the crusader of the abolitionist abolitionist movement Mm -hmm. the abolitionist movement and to see his head completely blown off and and the monument to the end of slavery desecrated Mm -hmm. yeah and to see them just Serena and June, like mm-hmm. Scarlett was saying, just encircling themselves yeah. for a fight in front of him was exactly, it, was, it just laid it out. Oh, it this perfect. Is, this is exactly we're That's doing this thing. again. I don't yeah. even remember what it was that they said to each oh, other because God. I was oh. just they like, said was brutal. I, it, oh. was, it was brutal. When I watched it the second time, I was like, okay, I get this. <laughs> this but the yeah. first time, the imagery was just too much. And yeah. I'm just sitting there like, oh, oh my God. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I can't believe you missed like, it. Because I just was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Everything that they fought about was everything I thought about you saying during the mother episode. When we saw Serena's mother and you were like, you really just desecrated her of she's just an awful mother. And this is where Serena came from. And yeah. it was almost, it was the nicest thing you could possibly say about Serena to say that. Well, this is where she came from, and at least I can understand how she got here. Mm-hmm. And June finally just lays it all out in the line for her when they start going back and forth, and they're kind of just rehashing everything up until this point. And exactly yeah. what she said of just just getting it all out. Just trading barbs. And, yeah, exactly. And just kind of rehashing the score yeah. of this is what you did, and this is yep. what I did, and here we are. And then Serena goes, but I love her. And June just lays into her. Yes. She goes, this isn't love. You can't love. You don't know how. Mm-hmm. You built this whole world so you could have someone. Sing but it, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. You're small. You're cruel. 
you're empty. You uh, will always be empty as their voices echo in this empty yes. cold stone mm-hmm. chamber. I love that. And I took that as a dig. You know, her telling Serena, you will always be empty as a dig at the fact that she apparently can't have kids. Yes. yes. Yeah. Like, let's just fucking twist that knife. While right. we're at it, let's go for just it. Just got her. Yep. Because that's all that June has are yeah. her words. And yep. this might be her last chance to actually get that out. And actually have fucking words. It, yeah. Well, yeah. This might be her last chance to have actual words. But this is also, for all we know, this might be the last chance that she has to speak freely to uh, to Serena Joy. Yeah. So utilize that as much as possible. Get, get in un- while you can. Get underneath her skin and make her fucking insane and make her realize just how pathetic she is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that was uh, when she said you're empty with that echo as well. It was like you are empty, empty and morally corrupt of soul. You have no conscience. You have no heart. And also your uterus is barren. Like that was rough of you, June. Yeah. And... In June's position, I can understand her wanting to say that. I can understand her entirely saying that. But I don't know, as a human, like, I can't imagine ever, like, faulting another woman or using her being barren as a weapon. I can see it only because Serena used it as a weapon. Valid. We're here because Serena true. used it as That's a weapon. That's true. That is true. True. I can't have babies, so you'll have a baby for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Here we are. That's a good point. Yep. And I just felt like it was the first time that, I felt like it was the first time Serena in a long time has just thrown her playbook out the window, (laughs) her resistance Lawrence playbook. June is trying to manipulate Serena. She has been this entire season Mm -hmm. of, with that voice Mm -hmm. and just, you're the mother, we're the mother, this is our legacy. And she's finally realized she's at a dead dead end and she's like, fuck you, Serena. And she just lays it all out Mm -hmm. there for her. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed seeing it it felt good because i was pissed at serena i was pissed i was pissed at serena from the second she showed up in this scene because june is having this moment and i'm having this moment with june and serena just comes in and interrupts it and then starts off with that fucking joke which is not a joke because it's not fucking funny because i'm not over it serena and neither is anyone else it was a personal attack on me at that point i did not like her coming in there and saying what did she say to her exactly she says yeah, I like this, I the silence. I can get used to it. Yeah, and I was fuck you, like, Serena. Fuck oh. you, Serena. That's exactly mm-hmm. what that was in that moment. And then June, as a proper fuck you, pulls mm-hmm. down the face mask <laughs> and says, "You could return the favor." Yes, right. And I think this is where we're going to be with them for a mm-hmm. while. Mm-hmm. Is this? There is going to be some kind of thread of civility, connection, not civility. There will be a, a thread of connection between them, but at this point i don't know if there's any going back i i feel like they're going to have this tit for tat volatile relationship moving Mm -hmm. forward and i love that when serena was like i'm gonna move here and you're gonna go back to where you and we're gonna be free of each other finally and june is like you're never gonna be free of me until my kids are both safe Mm -hmm. and that's basically what it comes down to is Serena is again threatening June's children. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the that's been the source of their fight from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then we have prayer time. <laughs> Everybody come on up to the stage and get your G's on. Um 
oh, God, that was so painful when she, you know, puts the fucking thing back on and she, like, walks out. And once again, she's... But as she's putting it on, she really, again, Serena leaves Mm. and she has that moment again with just... Abe Lincoln with and his yeah. hands destroyed, yeah. and it was exactly what you that. were saying. Where like just being so symbolic of this fight, yes. And for her, it was such a patriotic moment for me to it watch was. her pull that mask back up and just looking at this monument. And again, like I had been there so recently, and uh-huh. it was such a thing but to she's go there searching and see for it. wisdom from and him. She, I thought. Yeah, I just really like that moment of her just really, and she actually like physically put her hands mm-hmm. on the statue, and it was such a just poignant moment of like, it was visceral. Yeah, I just at the end of this brutal episode, that moment really just broke me down. Of mm-hmm. and then she puts it back on one more time, just like she did with Lydia, putting and her she chains back on herself, and mm-hmm. she goes out, and we have this. Propaganda prayer. That propaganda prayer pissed me off because, once again, it's what Fred does best. He's mm-hmm. commanding the room and yep. he's seeming more important than he actually fucking is. But the prayer that he was leading almost seemed like it required, you know, like, recitation and, and you know, like a res- uh, response back right, kind of thing. Right, right. And none of them can fucking respond. <laughs> because so, none of them can talk. Because none of them can talk. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like... What is the point of all of this? Right. Nobody can fucking give a holler back here, yes. Fred. <laughs> so it's just you talking into the air. And Which is where he wants to be. Uh, yes. Where he's happiest. He doesn't need anyone echoing him. But he likes it when they can't respond. He doesn't oh. want conversation. He doesn't want response. He just wants you to listen. He wants obedience. Which is what he commands from June. And when he says, Lord, hear our prayer. And... June is supposed to drop to her knees at that point like a subservient good little girl. And he sort of just tilts his head and looks at her because she's not doing it yet. He's not obeying her. He's not. She's not obeying his command. And he doesn't like that. And then finally she concedes to it. And I don't think it was a matter of I'm dropping to my knees to concede to what Fred is er, wishing. I think it was just a moment of weakness where she's like, I've had enough. I think like for her it was just... How much more can you take from me? She so seemed, it was just being brought to her knees. Yeah. She seems so defeated at mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. And I know that she's going to bounce back because obviously for the sake of the show, she's going to bounce back. Right. But at, at the same time, I'm just like, wow, I just feel like this yeah. really, this whole experience has just floored her. And mm-hmm. I think she feels more alone and powerless than she has in a while because she's been riding a power high for a little bit now. Yeah. yeah. For more than a little bit yeah, now. That's, we've been talking about this, that this whole season mm-hmm. so far it has been just this, like, the, we talked about how, like, it's this extreme military state even before we got to the Capitol. Yeah. And they're just, you know, they're, they're joking and there's this freeness to mm-hmm. them that we didn't see before. And I feel like this episode just brought us to heel. Right. We're still in Gilead. There's still work to do. Did you get the feeling that when, you know, they zeroed in on the rows and rows of handmaids that there might be a spark of a resistance there. Like, so, you could see that. Yeah. Well, that one yeah. handmaid, that they was it on. of George or was it just a random? Oh, I, I couldn't I don't know. So I think um, it was just a random handmaid. Okay. But mm-hmm. that one handmaid lifted her head early and I was terrified for her mm-hmm. because I genuinely thought in that moment she was going to get just executed. Like, I right. didn't know what was happening. I thought something terrible was going to happen mm-hmm. to her for lifting, simply for lifting her head too right. soon. 
Which is what June has been doing in the Capitol since the second she arrived. Right. I'm like, put your head down, blend in. Why is your head still up? And I feel like this handmaid putting her head up, I was like, she's going to get shot. It reminded me so much of the Hunger Games. <laughs> like, it was, I was so in the Hunger Games this entire episode. In that moment of rebellion, I thought they were going to drag her away while they're trying to do their propaganda. And you got this one handmaid rebelling and lifting her head too soon. But then nothing came of it. So I'm not really sure what that was. What I read that was, um, it was that one handmaid looking for a cue from June. And oh, so you okay. have this long pause before okay. June does kneel, before she drops to her knees in defeat, mm-hmm. um, where she sort of scans the crowd briefly. And I think she's realizing that if she acts out of line, then it's not just her that's going to be punished. Right. Um, just as we learned at the beginning of the last episode, that a, uh, that a success or a victory for one is a victory for all. Mm-hmm. A defeat for one will be a defeat for all. And if she acts out at this moment on a public stage where they're recording for propaganda purposes, then every single one of these handmaid's lives are going to be in danger. Have and you I, seen the Hunger Games? Yes. That's the Hunger Games. I That's know. That's what happens. That's exactly it. Yes. So, in, okay. so you have that one handmaid in the crowd that lifts her head up and is looking to June to see, like, what to do. What's our cue here? And I think June just says, like, this isn't the right time. This isn't the right place. And kind of just... She wants it to be the right time and place so badly. She right. wants to use her voice and fight. Right. But she also knows that this would get edited cost, out. Yeah. Exactly. And she doesn't want to pay that cost right, right. now. Right. So I didn't see oh, that. I like I, that. Yeah, I didn't think about that at all. But that's exactly what I can see it being. Yeah. God, what would it be like if all those handmaids just stormed up the fucking stairs and ripped Serena and Fred to shreds? Silent because they wouldn't be able to scream in protest. <laughs> they wouldn't. <laughs> But no also, one would even hear him coming. Serena would. <laughs> <laughs> but they would just get muffled underneath the sound of the wings. <sighs> but we get the last line. And yes. this is the most trepidatious line for me in this entire scene. Was this last prayer that Fred gives off. And he says, children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies. And that line, quiver, perched my ears up because that is a thing that happens in that is happening in this country right now. The oh, quiverful that is definitely movement. a thing. And if that is where this show is going, that is really concerning to me, but it really fits because everything about this quiverful movement is exactly what Gilead is trying to do here. So, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm not super familiar with the the Quiverful um, movement, but from everything that we've gathered before we started talking, um, the Duggars are a perfect example of that? Yes. Now, the Duggars are the most famous Mm -hmm. example of that. Now, the Quiverful movement is very new. So, it started in the 1980s. It's newer than Scientology. Mm -hmm. Um, But it takes that one... Uh, prayer that Fred was using and basically forms an entire ideal around that prayer. So that's this, that's Psalms 127, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so straight out of the Bible, but the Quiverful movement takes that and takes that as a personal call from God to have as many children as possible to mm-hmm. then compete with the rest of the world to Keep Christianity going. Basically, a Christian army. Yeah. 
that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, that seems totally savory and uh, something yeah. that I can morally get behind entirely, except not at all. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty scary. It's basically like a wives submit to your husband. Um, you know, girls are discouraged from doing anything Any. beyond mm-hmm. marrying yeah. and reproducing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, education at like minimal level for the women, basically homekeeping is is paramount because mm-hmm. and that goes back to like a proverbs thing where you know like a, a wife and how how pure and and godly and how efficient and how well she keeps her home is kind of a paramount to everything yeah mm-hmm. like it, it proves her worth so she's above rubies the, oh well, actually, in that case i'm worthless <laughs> you don't want yeah me too i'm barely graphite at this point was sparked <laughs> by a woman uh, mary pride wrote a book in 1985 and mm-hmm. so it's very serena joy of me mm-hmm. of serena joyish of mm-hmm. As I was reading about this, I'm like, oh, if this is where the showrunners are taking this, mm-hmm. this is terrifying. But it is really happening. In 1985, Mary Pride published a book called The Way Home Beyond Feminism, Back to Reality. Oh, I've heard about this woman okay. recently. That she's Interesting. the one of the most vocal proponents against feminism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's that would be exactly what she's doing. Pride insisted that no woman could possibly find true happiness without submitting to her vision of Christianity, relinquish control of the womb to God, and exist only to please your husband, give birth, feed everyone, and educate your children in the home, almost certainly without receiving any formal higher education for yourself. Mm-hmm. Huh. Makes it kind of difficult to uh, educate within the home, though, doesn't it? No, they do it. They do it. If you've got a high school education, that's all that you need because you, you know, your your sons will be able to pursue higher education if they want to. The girls, if they only need to know the domestic arts, as Serena likes to call them, Mm -hmm. then that's all that you need to know. That is utterly petrifying Mm -hmm. that a woman would write that. She is the ultimate Aunt Lydia. So Mm -hmm. you mentioned the Duggars. Uh-huh. And Michelle Duggar, the mother of all the Duggar children, mm-hmm. um, on the Today Show, was giving her daughters advice for their upcoming marriages. And she said, and she got this from this book that this woman wrote. Um, but she says, her quote was, in your marriage, there will be times you're going to be very exhausted. Your hubby comes home after a hard day's work. You get to You get the baby to bed, and he is going to be looking forward to that time with you. Be available. Anyone can fix him lunch, but only one person can meet that physical need of love that he has, and you always need to be available when he calls. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But their entire M.O. is to have as many children as possible. Yep. If you die in childbirth, you are a martyr. That is the goal. That's the goal for females, is to have as many kids as possible. If you can't have kids, if you're Serena Joy, this is where the quiverful movement and Gilead kind of dissect, or at least you can see how the Corbiful movement would have moved into Gilead. Mm-hmm. Because in Gilead, if you can't have children, then you are just too sinful. That's God's way of telling you that you're mm-hmm. too sinful. Gilead has taken that up a notch and said, no, we'll just find other people to give us babies. Yeah, right. We'll but, just human traffic that shit. It's fine. But it's awful. The Quiverful movement is a really... It's very intense. The parents control everything. They control their daughters a hundred percent, but mm-hmm. everyone in the family until they move on. There's a whole like courting thing and it, it's a, there's a lot to it, but at yeah. the end of the day, it comes down from that one 
quote that Fred was saying mm-hmm. from the Bible, and it's about having a quiver full of arrows, and those arrows are all your children, and you want to aim them at the enemy. Man, no wonder klaxon started going off in your head as soon as you started reading that. Yeah. It's jarring. Especially at since we, the Swiss have already said they're a military force. Exactly. That's, that's their strength is their military. And that's what they're trying and to do. And that's what they're doing. They're just going to try to have, as, especially in a time where the world is experiencing this crisis mm-hmm. of procreation, if Gilead has found a way to do it and they can continue their population much better than Mexico is doing mm-hmm. or Canada is doing or anyone else is doing. I mean, even in Canada, right. in the last episode, the right. cashier says to Luke, well, most people don't have the problem of paying for diapers. Right. Um, it's a it's a real thing. And so if Gilead is finding a way to continue having babies and continuing to increase their army, then that is definitely their goal. So, any optimistic thoughts for uh, for what we can expect for next episode? I have, I have nothing. I don't no, know I, what to think. I, right wow, now. That, have, that silence was staggering. I, I do have some optimism, Nick. Yeah. Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just. Kidding. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> holding a candle for him. But I do think that I, the optimism I have is that June has resigned herself to this fate and she will die for this cause that is the best optimism i've got for you is that june is ready to fight back i feel like there's going to be collateral damage and there's going to be collateral damage soon yeah i feel like and i'm going to agree with scarlet on this one about the collateral damage i feel like shit's going to go down in the next episode we have seen a lot of building um Optimistically, what I would really like to see is uh, is Fred being a power bottom to George. <laughs> that would just be like the icing on the shit cake. I feel like <laughs> what I feel. We've all been through a lot, and uh, it's been a very emotionally taxing episode or uh, season so far. So if we can just get Fred being just decimated, that would be amazing. That's my that's my little glimmer of optimism right there. Genuinely, what I think is going to happen is um, the Canadian government is going to eventually fold. And then I, I, I feel like Luke is in danger right now. I could see that. It's a lot easier to hide a baby. Well, I mean, maybe not so much in this world. Because, like Marjorie said, babies are in short order nowadays. But they have Luke's picture. They have his face. Yeah. They have information on him that they shouldn't have he's in danger yeah to quote whippy Gold- i will be goldberg and ghost you in danger boo <laughs> <laughs> luke needs to run he needs to run as quickly as he can and get the fuck out of toronto yeah luke hasn't had to be much of a refugee or a fugitive he's been yeah. a refugee he's been dealing with the refugee plate um, he needs to smarten up. He's a liability at this point. He is a liability. He was a liability in that meeting with Serena. Of course he was. He's a liability in the meeting with Serena. He's a liability for June's mental stability and mental health and well-being. He's a liability for Hannah. He's a loose string that's going to be very, very tidy to clean up. So where does he go? Switzerland. Where does where does he go? Switzerland. <laughs> Fuck the Swiss. I mean, they're, I they're neutral, so... <laughs> yeah, I know. The Swiss are neutral and stuff. The they're awfully neutral. neutral. Oh, so <laughs> neutral. Neutral just screams wishy-washy to me, so... Right. I don't know, but uh, but I, I think he's in danger. I think so, too. I'm not looking forward to seeing But that. I will say that if you want to 
little light of hope Mm -hmm. at the end of this episode. I think that the Waterfords moving to the capital will be their downfall. Well, let's fucking hope so. God, that'd be brilliant. (laughs) And we have that to end on. So we will see you next for episode seven. Please check us out on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Oh, and you guys, leave us ratings. We need reviews. Rate and subscribe, please. Five stars. (laughs) Five stars. Because we're so fun and endearing and down-to-earth and witty. (laughs) And awkward. And awkward. (laughs) Oh, we have quartered the market on awkward. (laughs) Awkward and new. That's us. So, thank you for listening. That's a wrap. Love us? Hate us? Either way, let us know. We welcome feedback from intels and incels alike. Let us know at the Red Resistance Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't worry, no matter what you say, we won't let you bastards grind us down. Praise be to Peter Levesque at Heliovox for providing us with the badass instrumental tracks we use for our intro-outro music. You can find Peter on SoundCloud under Heliovox. That's H-E-L-I-A-V-O-X. Finally, we're under his eye, but never under his thumb, so we'll see you back here next time.